The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Okay, extra long crawls. Wow. Uh, I am your host, Friday Cat. And you can find me at RidyCats on Twitter, your news nerds need on Twitter, and CBCaps on Instagram. And I've actually updated it, so there's a couple of things up there for your, for your perusals. Um, and with me tonight, as always, is the man, the myth, the myth, the legend, our man in Brooklyn, representing BK to the fullest every day, all day, agent underscore 70. What's up, everybody, on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter and Sorry about that. All right. Um, <laughs> Rocking a nice uh, Stella tonight. Yes, sir. Yeah, give me some more Stella. I haven't had any in a while. Anyway, um, you can find this here podcast on uh, the com- the coastal of the podcast network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find it at your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, or uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And folks, we, we, oh Lord, I did not mean to say that, so just strike that one. But we are here tonight to talk about comic books. What, what happened to you? Who's that? Um... And we're going to start off with, well, folks, we're, we've come down to the wire on the Empire stuff, but we're going to start off with Fantastic Four, number 23. Right. This is the, actually something that we definitely recommend that you read. If you are <laughs> keeping up with Empire, you read this issue, Fantastic Four, number 23, before you get to Empire, number six, because it will make eminently more sense. Yep. Than it would if you read Empire number six first before getting to this crossover issue in FF twenty three. So, um, <coughs> pardon me. You know we we find ourselves uh, tagging along with the replacement FF uh, consisting of Wolverine, Spider Man, Franklin and Valeria and Franklin and Valeria Richards. Um, they have their own little side mission because of. Um, machinations that have been put into place by Koi and the priests of Pama um, uh, kind of as a side uh, as a side quest you know it's, it's kind of a side mission um, that uh, that essentially has been kind of secret until now 
we don't really see the effects of this or we don't really understand the impact that this particular side mission might have on the greater uh, on the greater story of Empire until we read this issue and then until we read Empire number six. It's kind of interesting that this had been uh, kind of uh, teased at and hinted at, but we really didn't understand the scope of it until we got to this issue. Right. In terms and of the Omni Wave, the use of the Omni Wave projector. Right. And it makes sense considering we know that um, Al Ewing and Dan Slott, who's writing FF, are the ones that are crafting the Empire um, story. So, you know, going in it with that, there's like, okay, sure, that makes a whole lot of sense because FF, you know, FS over there is doing this little side thing, which kind of plays into what's going to happen in Passage, which we'll get into because, you know, they're scripting. They're, they're both exactly. scripting it together. I would always say that, um, you know, just, just very quickly going through my notes, you know, those two kids at the beginning of the Empire story in the FF, um, uh, uh, one shot at the beginning of uh, Empire proved to be the sources for the last chapter, you know, uh, for now of this long uh, of this long war. There's actually a twist on the use of the OmniWave projector that was at the center of the original Kree Scroll War story that we reviewed earlier during the hmm. pandemic. Yes, and you can go back and watch that episode where we where we talked about the Kree Scroll War uh, a couple of months ago. At this point. Sure. And I'm honestly very appreciative of the fact that we did that. Mm-hmm. It made a big difference. I mean, it was something that we had considered uh, doing prior to the pandemic really, you know, uh, forcing us all to stay home for a long time. But ultimately, knowing that this was going to be that, that the Kree Scroll War stories and, you know, and, 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 and their progeny were, were going to be the basis for this Empire story did you know did lead us to want to do it but pandemic gave us the time and you know talk about small blessings right yeah and uh, i said again i kind of still miss some of that because you know I mean, i'm glad we're getting new comic books again but it's like some going through some of those old events have been um you know whether we've read them in the past and refreshing ourselves or just hadn't read them at all like some of them you know it's been refreshing sure but uh, back to Fantastic Four twenty three. So yeah, um, the 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 priest of Palma got a hold of the kids or one of the kids uh, used that that said kid to which was the Cree, uh, the Cree kid dude, Joe Venn. Yeah, uh, um, they got them. So the the um, the backup FF went to go find him because you know it was their it was the Franklin and Valeria's job to kind of keep them safe, which you know in their eyes they kind of botched it up until until the end of this issue but you know it was still worked out um but the other um the other kid whose name is nakala i believe kala yeah yeah um you know who got hurt by wolverine in the last issue went after him because they they are linked in their you know they're linked i will say that (laughs) you know some would say that they, they, they there might be a, a budding romance there, you know, which will more than likely could you know, play out in the future. Who, who even knows that they're still kids at this point? Went to go find them, even though she was still hurt. Um, and you know, the backup FF kind of picked up on that, and then found out found uh, everybody involved and in saving the day. Well, not helping to save. But actually, it was Franklin and Valeria saving the day by using the same method that uh, Koi and the Priest of Palma was doing with the OmniWave projector, which was a, which was a nice touch. It was like, well, since we're already in here and you know, they're used, they're being used for that. Let's turn this around. 
and that ended up saving the day and also you know like to keep this in mind going into empire number six um so they saved the kids and you know and everything right also worth noting that the omniway for projector is still in play because they didn't right. destroy it uh, so either it's probably going to be another trinket of uh, from the FF, and it's going to be at uh, on Yancey Street, or something's going to happen in one of these two, um, or one of the three, well, probably two, because that is going to be in the She-Hulk one. But um, one of the two uh, prologue issues that are coming up probably next week or so. But if not, then it's just going to be on the shelf for some later right. use, possibly. But. Um, but yeah, that's Fantastic Four number twenty three. I don't uh, unless you have something else that uh, I can't remember uh, from that no, one. I'm going to add that uh, you have to give Slot a lot of credit for keeping things light yeah. in his, you know, in his FF chapters of the Empire story. Mm-hmm. There are definitely you know really heavy notes in the Empire crossover itself and Empire limited series proper, but in Slot's uh, scripted uh, stories in the Fantastic Four. There's lots of little just very much Dan Slot notes. Uh, everything from, you know, the Spidey banter, which, I you know, you still <laughs> you still enjoy reading it, you know, even though Slot hasn't written Spidey in a while now. Mm-hmm. It's still fun to uh, – and Kala uh, warning Wolverine to be very careful with his claws because she's already been stuck by them and put into the hospital – basically put into uh, uh, hospital care because of them. So mm-hmm. – uh, it's pretty. It's pretty uh, amusing to read. So, you know, they're off to apparently Disney World after this. You know, no, no pandemic in the Marvel universe. Yeah, clearly, just a bunch of weeds that are still potentially around uh, after it's said and done. But like again, we're about to get that in a second. Yeah, the only other thing I was like, yeah, I noticed that. Um, um, so yeah, there's a part of this that hasn't come clear yet, and I imagine that's going to either happen in the prologue. Uh, in the aftermath issue, or that's something Slot's going to play with going forward, because what uh, Inkala knew of uh, Alicia, uh, you know, from when they met, mm-hmm. but you know, Alicia doesn't know who. I'm assuming it's going to be it's going to come back to the fact that um, it was Leela as a scroll. I'm assume, going to assume. Probably, but, but we don't know that yet because, like I said, there, there's there's still that little thing that's kind of still up in the air, also. But that's probably again that's a story either for the aftermath or some other time, right? If that makes the most sense in terms of like the uh, the connection that the scroll would have with Alicia Masters, so right. And Johnny Scroll married Lila, <laughs> thinking it was Alicia. Anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, Fantasy Four Twenty Three, catch it. So now we can go on to. It's and as all, we said, read it before you get to Empire number six. Definitely. Uh, we're going to get to Empire number six, which, folks, this all come down to this, with the exception of the three uh, aftermath uh, issues that are coming after this. Um, it was a it was a good action packed story. I feel like this one, like you were kind of saying about uh, Fantasy Four, it, it also felt like it was kept kind of quote unquote light ish. Like, yeah, it had plenty of action. But mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, it kind of ended like you expected was. Like, I, I was expecting some big shock, especially after reading um, Guardians. But then again, like I said, the aftermath issues are probably going to be ones to kind of bear some of that out. 
Um, but in this issue, hey, guess what, folks? Right off the bat, T'Challa's not dead. Huh. Uh, he was doing. T- he did a T'Challa thing, which some would probably consider a, a Batman thing, but whatever. Uh, and he's still alive. He, matter of fact, he had a good turn and saved the day. So I was kind of worried about that part, giving recent uh, news. Right. Um, right. A little too on the nose. It'd be too coin, too much of a right. coincidence. Right, because I even said after, and we'll get to that news later in the news section, uh, but, uh, you know, I was like, oh, that's going to be a bad look if they actually, uh, now granted, they didn't know because it was, co- you know, it's co- coincidental that things it's happened written, the way they happened. I was going to say, this was written months before any of that exactly. happened. Exactly, yeah. so there, there was no way to know, but but the time is it was still bad enough, you know, would have been bad enough if that had been the case. And I'd have been pissed anyway if they'd actually killed him. So we had already dispersed that. But regardless, um, this is pretty much the culmination of everything that's been going on, and including everything that happened in uh, FF twenty three. Because as you can, you, as you will see, if you plan on reading this, the the events of uh, Fantastic Four number twenty three are pretty much coinciding with what is going on elsewhere. Because you will see, you know, panels and pages of stuff from FF twenty three going on, you know, as um, as, as things right. going on, so the the object wave projectors in play. That whole thing is going off, and we see battles being taken place. You know, in a couple of different places, in a couple of big places, the, uh, the Alliance throne room of one with um, Arkill and you know um, uh, Teddy and, and folks, and then of course we start off with the uh, um, Fantastic Four. The, excuse me, uh, Reed Richards and Tony Stark kind of talking and be like, "Yo, hey." We're just laying this out, you know. Right. For uh, anyone who hasn't been reading the first five issues of this limited series. Exactly. Here's what happened in the first five issues and all of the uh, 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 the several tie-in issues. Exactly. Uh, and mind you, all of this and everything that they're supposed to be doing in this issue, supposedly, is being done in, in well, less than eight minutes. Right. So I would just say before we move on to the next stage where, where these plans are put into motion – there is a nice little uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. uh, Easter egg in here where Reed is trying to figure out if Tony has his head screwed on straight. And, uh, you know, and obviously, you know. Uh, well, and also just classic Iron Man period, if, you, if this is the part no, you but, think about. Right. But what I was going to mention is that given, given Marvel's elastic timeline, mm-hmm. right, we don't necessarily get you know these characters don't necessarily get the benefit of all of their collective experiences you know they may see you know we may get some of it here and there but we don't necessarily see these characters get the benefit of having all of their collective experiences to draw upon be like how many times have they worked together before you know what i mean right so but in in the sense that uh tony's maybe not have maybe doesn't have uh, a complete handle on things reed is questioning whether or not tony's uh all there and um you know the the reference is uh you know tony says you see i'm lost i'm right here in a cave with scraps so yeah. you know and obviously you can't help but but read that in jeff bridges voice so hmm. um it, it's it's a pretty cool little callback to the marvel cinematic universe right. this is right or they get they put their plan in motion, right? Um, and actually, there was something else about, about that little that the little talk it was like, yeah, okay. So basically, relaying out the plan 
which was like, hey, the sun's going over in like nine minutes, and so, and then the, this other stuff's going on with uh, with the Kotadi that was supposed to be happening in ten oh, minutes. Cranium mound, yeah, the what's yeah, call it? Yeah, exactly. Cranium Death blossoms, yeah. not uh, not unlike well, not like the uh, last starfighter, but um, yeah. So all of this is all this is supposed to be happening in pretty much less than ten minutes, and then like I said, on top of that, uh, reading Tony's talk, which was probably another minute or two. Um, before they put their plan to action, which involves one part that um, them splitting up and uh, Tony taking care of what's going on with the sun, which uh, which is one part of the thing that was going to blow up, and Reed in a uh, in a in an Iron Man like suit type suit to, uh, going to take care of uh, going to you know deal with what's going on on the ground in uh, Wakanda. So, and we're not going to just, you know, we're not going to spoil what happens, but basically there's, there's a couple of good action moments, but not a whole lot of fighting. Like we see the kind of the fighting that's been going on, you know, around the places. We definitely get a moment that we probably would have seen from Thor. Um, if that miniseries had actually, you know, come out. Cause I suspect what happens with Thor would have come from there because we found out that Thor has, um, has um has a power set upgrade let's just say um from a, another i guess let's just say from the pantheon of gods put it that way mm-hmm. um that that bears into play if you think about the kotadi and the plant life and you think about anybody of greek mythology who would be anything around that you know uh then yeah, you're on the right track. So there's that, and then there's you know what Chichala does, with, you know, fighting off uh, swordsmen, the, the swordsman Katadi, and the swordsman Katadi, uh, you know, taking his turn, you know, uh, to being the, the 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 baddie behind the baddie, and all of that just kind of culmination into the end of the story. Um, it works out pretty good, but I feel like it was kind of it really felt kind of neat, you know, um, like, like I said, it was good and everything. And like I said, with all the, the fantastic forest stuff, uh, playing into it, going side by side and you seeing all that going off and they dealt with the, uh, the Hulk, she Hulk situation. She's not dead, but you know, they dealt with that part and everything coming together and Reed saying Avengers Assemble and everything actually starting to come together from the other mini series after that. Almost right. kind of like they tried to, like they did, did with us, uh, Secret Wars, but obviously we saw a, a lot more of that stuff. If you read a lot more of those, um, you know, uh, a lot more of those miniseries that came out. Uh, which well, they published the ones that you know the the ones that got canceled. So. That's what I'm saying. So it's yeah. like so you see a whole bunch of other people, which some of us we did see because you know, there are at least a couple of them that did show up, but like I said, the Thor stuff didn't come out and, and then the other, um, whatever other ones that they didn't publish didn't, but we just see a whole combination of other heroes and under the Avengers, you know, flag. And, you know, then we see the people out in the sun trying to do that and they get help. And it was like, uh, Johnny and Johnny storm and, um, Captain Marvel and, was super well. It ended up being super scroll and a couple other people and deal with the sun, and then Tony doing what he did with, as I say in my notes, unstable molecules save the day. Ah, that's right. 
which I was like, that's kind of funny because, uh, you know, back in the day, classically, Unstable Modicals did a whole lot of things, not including, um, you know, clothing, obviously, because that was kind of the main thing that um, they were being used for. But, um, yeah, we found there was a new application of uh, Unstable Modicals that ended up saving the day and, you know, helping keep the sun from exploding. Which I was like, huh, interesting. I didn't think that um, that was that was going to be thing that they was going to play with, but yeah, there we go. I mean, what it's it's definitely a callback to just old school Marvel science. Mm-hmm. So it's very it was, it was a nice little twist on uh, old school Marvel science. So you know, it was a little bit more of utilizing both Reed and uh, and, and Tony, not necessarily for their powers, right. but for their know how and their intellect. So right. Actually, yeah, they were basically, you know, combining their own intellect with each other's power set. Mm-hmm. So, in a, in a way. Um, wherein, you know, while Reed does tend to get in action, you know, with the Fantastic Four and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, him with some, uh, uh, a version of Iron Man armor, which I'm hoping he keeps around just in case there's another symbiote. Because, like, wait, why they haven't done that before? Like, it, when a symbiote outbreak happens... <laughs> would teleport them to the sun well not even just that but it's like you know because reed's armor was you know more sound based than 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 iron man's normally right. even though he had the capabilities of doing that you know um i'm like well shoot that like where was this when this, you know like there's been the any number of, yeah there's been yeah. any number of symbiote outbreaks and they, that could have been a thing that happened so, right they usually put the they usually put it into a sonic gun exactly that, like, that Ben or Spidey are running around with, so exactly. So I just, so I just kind of had that thought, like at that part. But I was like, all right, it was, it was a good use of that. That was pretty cool. And then like, again, like I said, Tony doing what he was doing with the unstable molecules and whatnot, helping out what was going on with the sun and that stuff. And it all coming together at the end. And you know, spoiler alert: Hey, the Katari invasion has been um, routed. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Just uh, you know, just as a quick wrap, uh, you know, we get. Uh, the immortal She-Hulk actually coming to the fore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the treachery from Hulkling's grandmother is thwarted, and Koi is defeated by the combined might of the Avengers, Fantastic Four, and the world's militaries. So, you know, we will see Koi is not taken off the field, taken off the board. Uh, interestingly enough, he's still he's still going to be around. Right, he's in custody. He's just, they, they didn't kill him. Um, however, right. I, did I'm. Fact- yeah, I was gonna say did they did whack the Kotati running around yeah, as Jacques Dupin, the sword, right? The sword, so. exactly, and that's what I was saying about uh, T'Challa's turn in in this one because he had a pretty good action action moment with that whole thing. Um, so it, which is worth a read. So I'm not gonna like I said, necessarily spoil what happens, but it was it was a it was a pretty good one. Yeah, uh, no, it was a lot of fun. I really like like I'm like uh, just to, to to wrap the conversation on this. Um, I've mentioned this before. I feel like people have been sleeping on this miniseries, hmm. you know, underestimating it. And I feel like they shouldn't. I think this is something that is well worth reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is something that people should go back and read if they didn't, you know, if they didn't pull it or read it as a, you know, during quarantine. Yeah. I mean, being honest, as we, as you and I both know, uh, event fatigue is re- real. So, you know, Sometimes it's just kind of gets, I don't know, you know, if that was the case here for, for, for those people, but 
like event fatigue is real and it's like yeah it's just another big event yeah yeah yada 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 but it was it definitely ended up being a a good event a solid enough event let's put it that way sure to be uh, worth a read now it's supposedly more imp- going to be impactful uh throughout the marvel universe going forward but we still haven't gotten to that part yet right well some of that is teased in guardians this week right so, uh, which I guess you know, to to round us out, and I'm sure like, you know it's like the the aftermath issues and what they're teasing Guardians and what the prospect of because even in Empire Six they at the end it was like yeah well we're now at the we're in the era of uh, we're in a new era of space and it's pretty much centering around the Earth somehow. Um, you know, and with right. centers around Earth, right? It centers around the Earth in that you know, and and this is mild spoilers, but since we know that um, the Empire aftermath issues are coming out, I believe next week. I believe so. Um, uh, what you want to call it? The 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 new Emperor of the Kree Scroll combined uh, combined uh, 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 what you want to call it? Kingdoms, basically. Yeah, alliance. Are, well, no, no, but the, they're combined. No, but they're combined kingdoms, right? right? There was like the Skrull Empire and the Kree Empire. I guess they're combined empires, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They're all united under one Earthling, in a sense. You in know, sense. a half Skrull, half half Kree. You know, but raised on Earth, right? So that's what essentially puts the Earth at the center of uh, of uh, uh, of this, you know, united empire. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as we said, we'll see how this all plays out in the aftermath issues. Yep. Uh, but first, we're going to get a nice little tease in the form of Guardians of the Galaxy number six, uh, which has nothing to do with Empire, with the exception of you know them catching up with it at the end. So I guess I'll go ahead and went ahead and spoiled that one. But the crux of the issue, well, actually, you know what, you take this one because I know sure. you, I know you were. Very, uh, well, my analysis, my analysis of this issue really, really uh, hinged upon the fact that it reminded us, it reminded me at least, mm-hmm. of something of an event that happened just prior to <laughs> uh, what was it like, uh, like late last year? Sounds just right. Just prior to the new year, something like that. Yeah, Heroes in Crisis. That sounds right. right. Sure. Heroes in Crisis from DC. Um, you know, this issue is essentially how Heroes in Crisis should have gone. Shots fired. And to be fair, it kind of did. It just went off on something that no one expected and probably really wanted, which was disappointing. But Right, right, in terms of Heroes in Crisis. But right. this issue really dealt with, and uh, I'm only mildly spoiling this, in the sense that by comparing it to what Heroes in Crisis should have been. We already know, if you're familiar enough with that story, we already know that this involves a session uh, of uh, of therapy between one Richard well, between between a character. No, for, it, it deals with a, a mental health session, a therapy session for one character at least. And in this case, it's uh, Richard Ryder, the Nova Prime of the Marvel Universe, and he is getting some therapy to try to deal with. Uh, all the stuff that has happened to him since the Annihilation War. And I know that I have complained endlessly, it seems like, 
about how Marvel has treated Richard Ryder since Annihilation. And I finally got Roddy Cat to read Annihilation so that he could understand my point. And Which I know actually, that he at least understands somewhat where I'm coming from. Uh, yeah, you know, I do. Disappointment. I'm not a I'm not as big a Nova fan as uh, Agent Seventy is, but yes, I do. Right, but at the same time, he understands. You know, Roddy Cat uh, understands where 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 I'm coming from when I complain that you have a character that seems to have matured a great deal, a great amount during Annihilation. This is after all of the. The, the, the adventures that he's had as a, as a solo hero and as a member of the New Warriors. And we get a little bit of that during the first couple of flashback um, pages of Guardians as he's talking about, uh, as he's kind of relaying one of his, one of the things that troubles him, one of the things that has come from his past that continues to uh, weigh upon him heavily. Um, you know, and he's recounting this to the therapist, and it uh, it does, unfortunately, all go back to um, a lack of good parenting on the part of uh, the senior writer, um, you know, Mr. Writer. Yeah. And uh, you know, we get a little bit of a flashback to how the last, um, how the last uh, uh, adventure with the dueling guardians ends. In you know, we see this in flashback. We also see in flashback that apparently Hercules, and spoiler alert, <laughs> Hercules and um, Marvel Boy. and Marvel Boy are a thing now. Yeah, interestingly enough. Because why not? And apparently, oh, go ahead. No, I just said because why not? Right. And no, and, and, and apparently Richard Ryder uh, confirms that uh, the blonde one with the muscles—that guy's an idiot. <laughs> oh yeah the prince of power yeah <laughs> right i really got a kick out of that i was like yeah thank goodness someone acknowledged this <laughs> and obviously we still don't know where this particular character came from you know we all have our suspicions with regards to hercules but uh, um you know basically throughout this issue we have uh, uh nova recounting some of the things that have come up uh since annihilation and since um, this last uh, this last adventure and his most recent uh, sit down talk with Gamora, you know, someone who uh, someone who he was intimately involved with during Annihilation, but has since uh, she's she's since uh, gone off to be with Peter Quill. And they basically have a tete a tete with regards to Peter Quill mm-hmm. as part of you know, as part of this discussion. Um, you know, and ultimately we get, um, we get the ending of this first therapy session and hopefully, uh, this is Richard Ryder continuing, uh, down the road with therapy to try to get better. Uh, at the end of the issue, we get what we hinted at earlier, which right. well, is before, before you, before you get that, before you, before you go to that point, uh, let me just say that, um, one, we did do an uh, an episode or two on Annihilation. You can go go back and check that out where we uh, ran through the uh, Annihilation uh, event and probably talked about that, some of that stuff. Uh, not some of that stuff, because obviously that was before this happened. But also uh, that some of the stuff that Richard Ryder brought up during this uh, session, especially with the stuff with Gamora, had to do with not only, spoiler alert, uh, the the beginning of this arc, 
where Peter Quill died, but also going back to, like uh, Agent 70 said, was alluding to going back to previous volumes of Guardians of the Galaxy, where um, uh, Richard Ryder comes out of the Cancerverse and Peter and him talk and, you know, a, a conversation they presumably had uh, around the time, around that time. Right. Uh, and like so, yeah, and the stuff with Kamora. Whenever that was, that was supposed to be timed going into, you know, the the rounding out the session of this. But yeah, mostly because, like I said, just go back and watch if you feel like it. Watch the uh, annihilation uh, episodes or read annihilation. It's pretty good. Uh, and now you can go ahead and continue. With your so I was just gonna say that uh, what we hinted at earlier was that Guardians of the Galaxy catches up to what has been happening in Empire mm-hmm. at the end of the session. Yeah, that's pretty much that. Yeah, because it's good. It's kind of funny. It was like the way they did it was like it's just Rocket, uh, like like Richard Ryder leaving a session and then gets a call from from Rocket, and it was like, uh, hey, you might want to check and see what's going on with Earth because you're not gonna believe this. And then they do a, a a space search and then they get get caught up with it, and then it's like, oh my god, I don't believe this. What does this mean? You know, what are we gonna do after the? You know. You know, this is like this is really, really big, but we don't necessarily know what this big, big thing is because we thought, well, I so I read this before. Did I read it? I did. I read this before I read Fantastic Four in Empire, not knowing that they were going to catch up that fast with Empire. So when I saw that, I was like, and matter of fact, I even said in my notes, I said, all right, fine, I'll read Empire number six because usually. Uh, just a little bit behind the scenes like sometimes depending on the event i'm like okay i gotta see what's going on now but i was like let me go ahead and get some of these other stuff out of the way before i read that uh and then just so happened that guardians happened to hook into it and unexpectedly and i was like all right fine let me do this so then i read fantasy 4 and empire but we did not get the revelation of what this big thing is fully anyway like i said the aftermath issues are probably going to bear some of that out but we got to where we definitely got the hints of it, the, the shades of it in Empire Number Six with what happened at the end, with what was brought up at the end. Sure. So, you know, ultimately it was kind of it, it was kind of cool that basically in a few panels, Guardians caught up on what what's going on in Empire, mm-hmm. what what basically took place over the course of maybe a week in Earth time. Right. Which normally, you know, if sometimes normally when events depending on events and depending on how everything's laid out and the scope that it takes in the universe, it usually takes an issue or two before the rest of, or at least other places start to catch up. And, you know, uh, especially if it's a line line wide uh, event, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it takes like an issue or two for, for, uh, for, you know, for uh, books to kind of catch up with what's going on. If even, whether it acknowledges or not, you know, Right. But this one is like, but I guess, and possibly because of COVID or this was already something that was already laid out. Like, you know, Guardian 6 was just like, yeah, nope, here we are. We are here after this. Which makes sense because Guardians of the Galaxy is out in space. So therefore, <laughs> a lot of that stuff would probably reverberate there faster. Despite the fact that them being nowhere near Earth, you know, uh, things would reverberate a little faster than, than it would if everything was just Earth-based. You know, engine bearing out. Right. Okay. So, but yeah, we'll see again. We will see what's going to happen with those aftermath issues and what's, uh, you know, what's going to be the big, big play 
at the end of all of this from Empire, from what uh, outside of what we kind of already know from you know what was already said. Right. All right. As President that, Bart would ask, what's next? Um, let me see what you read because I suspect that yes, you know where I'm going next. Cable number four. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's like he didn't actually know where I was All going. All right, but... so uh, we wrap up this uh, little opening story arc that has taken Young Cable, you know, uh, on a very strange path <laughs> to Ten of Swords, X of Swords. Um, you know, just very quickly. Uh, you know, and this kind of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because the cover teases attack of the space knights, but unfortunately, um, you know, spoiler alert, mild spoiler alert here. I'll ring the bell. Ugh, the space knights or their Ronin, essentially space knights who never got the message about earth from Rom and starshine meet their demise at the end of an atomic blast. You know, and young Cable realizes that old Cable knew this was going to happen. Right. And not only that, but these were Space Knights who were not necessarily... These were people that were um, um, drafted, let's just say. These are not people who were for the cause, um, you know. Because even as it says in his books, it was like, yeah, they, um, they took criminals' brains... Put them in the robotic bodies, and with the uh, you know, with the caveat that hey, you can you do service for us, and we will give you back your body. But since Galador exploded, that's probably wasn't going to happen. And some folks were like, "Well, we're just going to leave." Um, mm-hmm. And then a couple, which is the crux of the the, the three that um, at the head of this, were like, "We're going to get revenge, and we're going to start something new, and we're going to do what we're doing." So that's so basically, we just get their uh, motivations for why they need the sword and why they were trying to were potentially were going to try to take over earth through this. But yeah. So, and we also find out, which is, I think is slightly bigger, but I, as I say in my notes real quick, um, this issue is the, the issue that agent 70 jokingly, uh, this issue is the issue that agent 70 has been waiting for a cover to the cover, but it didn't actually happen like that. Nope. Not at all. So, but now we fold over to, into basically Young Cable um, thwarting their plans, and we also get uh, supposedly the reason why New Cable, uh, excuse me, Old Cable didn't escape his death, but he actually kind of did, um, mm-hmm. as we come to find out. Old Cable did not escape his death at the hands of Young Cable, uh, and of course, it has to do with time travel. Because of course it does, where it's cable is uh, concerned. But you know, it's a. It, I was like, okay, that's reasonable. But old cable, you know, apparently knowing this or figuring this out, had a contingency plan as he tended to do, and that probably explains why we start why we have been seeing uh, old cable, and, you know, interspersed in this issue. I'm sure that's going to come back up again. Now that this is dealt with, well, partially dealt with, because apparently some because of some communique at the end of this, because after Cable and Esme dealt with uh, the the, uh, the the Ronin Space Knights, uh, come to find out that there was a data burst that was that was sent out from one of them that right, warned what was going right. on. 
to to another space knight that was still around. So but this is probably not the end of it. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. And uh, shout out to Phil Noto, whose art, as always, is so sharp with the faces specifically. Mm-hmm. His are so expressive. You know, so clean and so expressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, but there, I guess there is the one part at the end of this where basically uh, Cable's like, oh, I got to get back to this other investigation thing when he's back with uh, back at home with the family. Um, mm-hmm. And Scott's like, hey, hold up. Come eat dinner. You got time. Don't don't be so. Don't you rush to get old. Um, and he's basically have, having Cable explain what's going on, and that they'll take care of what's going to ha- what's going on together. Which presumably because of the fact that uh, this is also a path to X of X of Ten of Swords uh, tie-in, that this is going to bear out somewhere in there. Right. Right. And it's funny that this is a full summer's clan dinner including havoc mm-hmm. so i guess i guess uh hellions wrapped up okay <laughs> oh, yeah they did yeah they they clearly dealt was or just was before that who even knows at this point you know <laughs> that's funny but yeah like i said it was a good read um this this cable as we've been consistently surprised by this cable book um Oh yeah, and there's also the mention of the uh, Scott. Well, when Scott and Cable was talking, that Cable, young Cable mentioned the fact that he met uh, Deadpool, and that was a little funny bit of banter there. But all right, so we're done with that one. You got another one? Wanna wanna talk about? About the number one issue that came out this week? Oh, Black Widow. Sure. Yes. Right. So uh, just in you know in in very brief strokes. Uh, you know, we open this story by uh, by Kelly Thompson and Elena Casagrande and Jordi Belair. Um, we open this this issue with the series with uh, a nice little action sequence uh, with Natasha Barefoot of all things, and um, uh, you know, and, and she uh, has to uh, make an exit with the help of Hawkeye, but Except instead finds didn't. herself. I'm sorry. Except she didn't, because that whole that whole sequence was weird. But go ahead well, and finish. finish. Had Hawkeye's had Hawkeye's assistance, right? Because he fired a shot to start, or at least during her sequence uh, to try to, you know, uh, when when she's trying to uh, uh, break and enter and, and, and obtain something. But um, Hawkeye's also her means of escape, and Hawkeye basically steps away before Natasha can come out. And Cap, um, you know, Cap is there just for a little bit of, a, uh, you know, I guess a catch-up session. But ultimately, Natasha's on her way home and gets, um, how, how how shall we say, and gets uh, Shanghai, gets, uh, you know, uh, taken by surprise, gets, uh, uh, you know, basically gets uh, gets attacked as she's trying to make her way into her home. And we find ourselves mysteriously in San Francisco three months later. We had originally been in New York. And in, 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 in San Francisco three months later, we have uh, someone who seems to be an architect who strongly resembles Natasha Romanoff um, hmm. doing kind of a, a, a normal, you know, uh, a normal workday, but doing something very, very dangerous uh, in the midst of a skyscraper being built. And ultimately, we find out that she is living a pretty 
uh, a pretty natural, normal life. And the only reason why anyone would have spotted her is because she happened to walk past a television news camera, a news, uh, a, a television news reporter as she was doing the story. And Hawkeye and uh, the Winter Soldier are trying to figure out what's going on as, you know, Natasha is want to kind of go off on her own and go off on her own missions and disappear for time for extended periods of time. So it's not something that they necessarily find out of the ordinary. So this would be the point where I say, um, so just to fill in a couple of gaps. So, um, black, yeah. So black widows, uh, uh, mission going into this Hawkeye was, as, as she even says, Hawkeye was kind of not too pleased for her because this is something that alludes back to a previous volume of, uh, black widow, if I'm not mistaken, was it black widow or was it, uh, Hawk. No, uh, was it? It was either that. Um, oh, it was the Hawkeye. No, it was the Winter Soldier. The, Winter Soldier, and, the Hawkeye uh, and Winter Soldier. Yeah, uh, thing. The Tales of Suspense. I believe that's the one. But because this has kind of come up in a couple of uh, since, kind of since then. But basically, um, you know, this was back when, uh, and this wasn't environment. This was like sometime like last year or something like that. that like Winter Soldier and uh, and Hawkeye went to look for. Um, uh, um, Nat, because she was supposedly dead for previously that, but comes to find out she was alive, but she was just covert. She was just undercover, uh, unlike in this case. Um, but, and during the course of that, found out that, uh, you know, Hawkeye and uh, once they found Natasha, you know, uh, there were some words that Hawkeye was none too pleased with about, um, you know, that um, that uh, Natasha pretty much said in relation to himself and you know Winter Soldier because basically it was like I, I vaguely remember it and it was like well why didn't you come to me it was like and she was like yeah you because you're soft and this and that and the other and you know blah, blah. and Winter Soldier is like nah, he's built for this because he's been through the same kind of some similar stuff that I have and Hawkeye was not too um, not too pleased with that and apparently was is still rather upset with uh, going into this hence you know a couple of things that happened but that being said this it still wasn't like this pretty much was a, an undercover op that uh that captain america needed at the last minute which would which was pretty much the crux of, crux of that uh she didn't necessarily need hawkeye for anything that he that he that um that happened because basically he shot he shot a door that that blew the door. She could have done that. Like she she keeps explosives with her. She has a rope line that usually you know the um, that that she keeps. So she could have escaped on her own. So that was just kind of something I assume they they're going to um, they're just they're just addressing from the thing that we just mentioned more so than that. But yeah, Hawkeye comes to see her on this thing when she seemingly. Um, don't have any memory of her former life, but she seems to has her ability still intact as she's going within this new life. But the one other thing that is also of note of this is we find out that there is somebody behind this thing in a Truman show type capacity. And of course, who on earth would that be? And none other than one arcade who shows up, um, who's been watching Natasha, this whole time during his whole life, but is pretty much itching to kill her. So that's pretty much the takeaway from this this whole issue. Um, 
So we're probably going to see Hawkeye and Winter Soldier going after Nat again, you know, through all of this. Uh, and Arcade's going to be involved. So we'll see how this all plays out in the coming issues. So we can go on to, unless you got another book you want to... Um, no, we can do Rapid Fire. We, there's a lot of books to get through, so... Sure, hit it. Spinning it up. All right, what do you got? Because I think we have mostly the same books. Uh, yeah, pretty much. You got to come along with it. But yeah, so New Mutants number 12 real quick. Um, I basically have in my notes that uh, Magic and crew decided to pay a visit to the folks doxing them, which the name of the, the um, quote-unquote news organization is called Dox. At least that's what they call themselves anyway. Uh, and right. there's a real-world parallel in that, that, that um, you know, that uh, the, the crew pretty much brings up. Uh, and I don't know, a little small note for me, it was like, when did they ever call Megan... Uh, Megan Braddock Gloriana, but that's just me. Uh, and Glob Herman has a moment at the end of that where he just gets fed up and be like, "Look, y'all keep doing this stuff, regardless of their, regardless of what the New Mutants ended up doing in this issue uh, to try to combat the situation." Which basically ends up being that, hey, anytime these folks put out a new story that 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 tells, well, anytime they just put out a new story, the, the where they're doxing mutants. They're also doxing themselves, which was I thought was a pretty good way to handle that. You know, like I kind of wish some of that would happen in real life, but mm-hmm. it's not the reality. But yeah, but Glob Herman gets fed up and, and threatens threatens the dude in charge and like, look, you, you you keep doing this mess. I'm gonna come back here and kill you myself. I don't care what kind of big big hold I'm gonna. And then they kind of, you know, um, get into you know why Glob was so Glob was so upset and going through a little bit of his history and you know all of that kind of all of that mess but then at the end of this issue um we cut back to nova roma where um it seems like my magnus people are not in good shape because of something that happened in a previous issue well something happened because of something that happened in a previous issue that uh, someone retaliated against and pretty much dealt with the people there so magma's not going to be too uh, too pleased about uh, that probably going into the next issue. Right. Uh, not, not being that familiar with all the Nova Roma stuff. Right. I just admit to it. But I, I really mean, like the character development that they gave to Glob Herman of all people. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, huh, I was expecting that. And I think even they said it in the book. It was like, no, this is like, <laughs> who would have thought that Glob would be the person we'd have to restrain? Exactly. Especially when you have a team of like Danny Moonstar, who, who's usually for the most part level headed, but Magic, who would just jump off in a minute, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, Glob just kind of had his moment. I was like, huh, go ahead. Uh, anyway, uh, Swordmaster number 10. It's been a while since this book came out, so um, I vaguely remember what's going on with it. And he's Lindley still look Lin Lai, excuse me, is still looking for his bag uh, for his dad. He and the other girl, uh Shang Shang, I guess that was her name, end up going to this temple of that her people um uh, are are residing in, but the place was being under attack. So they try to help out there and they end up meeting the the chief or the, the master of the temple, who kind of reminds me of an airbender. 
a pretty powerful one also um at the end of the issue so that's actually a pretty decent read but if you're not caught up on it it's like I, you don't i'm not sure if you necessarily need to get caught up on it to read this because some of the stuff kind of still is explained but um but it's not bad and that folks is it for me all right uh let me go through my rapid fire books uh batman number 98 uh, the antitoxin Harley gave to Batman in the last issue finally does its work, while Harley and Punchline duke it out. Catwoman may eventually be rallying the other members of the Batman rogues gallery into taking a side against the Joker. Um, I'm just going to speak in very broad strokes about Bitter Root number 10, because I know that Roddick had just read it, but he's probably going to want to read it carefully uh, again. Uh, the threat in Georgia seems to have been stopped for now, while the threat in Harlem remains for the next story arc. Uh, next up is Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 18. I don't think Roddy got to this either. No, because I believe this is, it said it was an outlawed uh, tie-in. I'm not caught up on that stuff yet. Right. So I can tell you that um, without spoiling too much, uh, this is also teased in the last issue. With all the outlawed stuff going on, I did not expect a quote-unquote clone Miles Morales and the tester-slash-evaluator character to return in this issue. So, you know, you, you can read that and, and, and you know, shouldn't be too spoiled sure. um, what happened in the last issue, you know? Um, you know, kind of coming to the fore in, the, in this issue. Sure. And last for me is Wolverine number five. It's Wolverine against the Vampire Outpost in Canada. There is a Dracula-led plot from his home in Siberia, right? You remember that Dracula and the vampires are in Russia now, um, you know, in, in eastern Russia. Um, there's a Dracula-led plot afoot, but it will have to take a back seat until Ten of Swords finishes up because the next issue of Wolverine jumps straight into Ten of Swords. And that is it for me. So clicks I guess of the week. It's time for clicks of the week. Uh, we already have a couple from our absent folks, uh, and it looks like Tim goes with Empire Number Six. I don't know Correct. if he said any, made any note about it in our back channel. Other than he thought it was pretty good. Okay. And then there is from Dirt, Grendel, Kentucky, number one. I don't know where that is right. from, but he did put some notes in. EWA Studios. Okay. It says it's here. A, yeah. He put, it's the one that Straczynski and um, Mike Diodato. There's a couple of big name creators at AWA Studios. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, but apparently he put some notes in, or unless you did this. But um, it says, for two generations, the rural here hill town of Grendel, Kentucky has honored its Faustian bargain with the monster living in its abandoned coal mine. A uh, human sacrifice every season in return for agrarian prosperity, the likes of which the, this rocky region has never seen before, including its greatest crash, cash crop, the dankest weed in the land. <laughs> okay. That's, I need to see who did this write-up. But anyway, um, who did these uh, this flavor text? Um... 
when one time another breaks this pact, Grendel's only hope is that its prodigal daughter will return home to face down the creature of her nightmares and bring her all-female biker gang with her. So, if that sounds appealing to you, Grendel Kentucky might be for you. Right, no, um, uh, PCN underscore jerk uh, sent that to us in the back channel, so I just put that into the sheet. Gotcha. Uh, Ed, do you have yours? I'm still thinking. I'm definitely leaning towards Empire number six as well, but I did like Guardians of the Galaxy number six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm still considering. How about you? Um, I, I don't know. I definitely do like uh, Empire. It was it was good, but like I said, it, it just also felt like it was kind of neat to me. Like I think it's the the aftermath issues are going to pretty much make or break this, which is a sad thing to say. The, huh? The, the event as a whole, you mean? Yeah, like kind of how you judge it, right? Like, because this pretty much ends the, the the meat and potatoes of it. But obviously, since they're doing these aftermath and just, uh, aftermath stuff, and that's supposed to reverberate across the whole line, you know, the whole universe. Like, all right, mm-hmm. let's see what actually they're talking about here before I, you know, pass pass judgment on the, the on the event as a whole, which we'll probably be talking about if we ever do a year end of the year thing, which we did not do. I realized <laughs> I just realized we didn't do a, we still hadn't done a year or end of the year thing. Like we did we usually do. Um, so yeah, I was about to say, we got so delayed. And then the next thing we knew we were in quarantine. Yeah. So. Which some of that didn't necessarily wasn't, you know, it was a fault of our own and not necessarily quarantine or anything. Cause eight to seven pretty much did his stuff regardless. That's I did. <laughs> so <laughs> that's but, right i did um and the rest of us was uh slacking i am gonna go with guardians of the galaxy number six okay uh it was just i, I thought it was pretty it was a pretty good read hmm. there's something that we that we all sort of needed to read about uh you know the ongoing story of richard Ryder. right and you being also a richard Ryder fan you know and well i well, at the end of the day, it wasn't even so much that as it was just, you know, we needed to find out what was going on with, you know, just Nova, the Nova core. You know, this was, you know, there is no Nova solo title anymore, right. you know, be it uh, Sam Alexander or Richard Ryder. So it's it's kind of picking up the pieces from that right. as well. But what I'm saying is, like, even this, I said, outside of the fact that you are a fan of his and, you know, what's been going on him like you've been saying for the last few years up until this moment you know this kind of bears out this kind of uh bears out some development and sure. some of that for the probably for the better for his character uh definitely in that and maybe we'll see some more going forward who knows uh for myself i actually kind of i hmm like I said, Empire number six was actually pretty good, but I still kind of want to, I don't know. It was, it was all right. I'm thinking, weirdly enough, I'm going to go with New Mutants number 12. Nothing wrong with that. I thought that was a pretty entertaining read. Yeah. Like I said, even with like whole, that whole turn with Glob Herman and, and you know how they handled the situation, which was probably the, the best outcome for that situation really because it's like if they just go in there guns blazing or powers blazing that that would have caused more problems than you know than than not but like i said the way they handle it and i assume is going to you know bear out 
in the Xbox later, I mean, at some point, um, is a good deal. That being said, we can move on to the news. Oh, excuse me. We're gonna, but first, we can do an ad read first. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronté, Wink has over 100, uh, 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of The Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off with a bit of sad news in the cinematic corner. Um, As most people know by now, Chadwick Boseman, uh, actor, uh, obviously a lot for germane to this uh, to this part of the world, Uh, the Black Panther, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has died uh, of colon cancer, which apparently he had been battling for the last four years, which means that he had been filming uh he had filmed at least seven movies while he was uh dealing with colon cancer uh and getting treatments and you know apparently he was um he was also being real private about it but there was been some speculations about it you know because of his weight loss and people that people were kind of joking him about at the end of it which i hope they feel really stupid about not knowing that it was from cancer you know uh uh, and because he was going through chemo and, and whatnot, um, and he had to do a lot to just keep his body in shape to to perform. You exactly. know, be it you know, be it as a soldier in the Five Bloods, or you know, in a courtroom in uh, Marshall, or mm. uh, you know, just in, in, in you know, as a cop in Twenty One Bridges, he had to do a lot just to keep himself uh, upright. And I don't even joke about that to keep himself upright so right. that he could perform in those roles. So needless to say, there was a lot of outpouring and condolences for his for his family and, and whatnot, and and a lot of viewings of uh, Black Panther by folks who you know, obviously that is his most famous role to date. But he has done other stuff. So there has been, in fact, I believe there is actually some I saw on Twitter earlier, um, where somebody I think at at the time of his recording was watching the Black Panther. Um, so yeah, when the news came out a few days ago, uh, there was a lot of that, which is August 28th, by the way. Um, uh, it, it was, you know, quite sad. Like I was, it really messed me up when I, when I heard it. Cause I, so, uh, when I found out agent, I had just woken up and agent 70, not only did agent 70 kind of tell me, but I got the notification from Google notifications as I told him. So I was like, well, this is a shitty thing to wake up to. You know, right, and quite unexpected, obviously. But you know, it was a, it was it was it was an unfortunate 
what, what I would add before, you know, before we move on to the next story, related story, really, mm-hmm. um, because of when it happened, uh, you know, because of when it was announced, really, it was Friday evening, and any other summer Friday evening, a lot of people would be out and about. They would not be sitting at their phones or sitting with their phones at, uh, in front of them or sitting at their computer, possibly like I was, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, Friday night, summertime, you know, we're talking no pandemic going on, no quarantine going on, no lockdowns or whatever form of lock- lockdown that we're all s- still sort of living in, um, you know, isn't going on. Maybe we don't all see it at the same time, but it seemed like because of circumstances being what they are, everyone saw this news. Right. At the same time or roughly the same time. So it seemed like. There was more of an outpouring of of heartbreak and and, and 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 sad feelings because it seemed like everyone was in tune at the same time when normally maybe we wouldn't be kind of glued to our screens. Uh, I, I don't you know. know. I mean, for I, the, I'm just saying on a Friday night, dude, on a, on a in the summertime. I'm putting this, I while I do agree with you on that, but let's face let's face it. Even while people are out and about, they do have their phones about it too, and about them and the way news kind of just kind of you know from whether it's like Google News notifications or whatever, or even Twitter for that, the but notifications. But we may not be as prone to pick up our phone. You know what I mean? Like they might stay in the pocket for a little while longer. Eh, so. I guess. I suppose, but regardless, that's just my, you know, two cents on that. So it just seemed like that was, you know, like I felt like a contributing factor into everyone, you know, um, uh, adding to the outpouring of grief at the same time. Maybe, like I said, it's possible, but, but at the same time, like, like I said, people are not that far from their phones and all that kind of good, but so I kind of, yes, that could have been the case, but I kind of doubt it. Like just even regardless of how COVID is playing out right now. But the last thing on this, on this, before we move on, um, was the, uh, the message from chat with both men's, uh, Twitter account, uh, of the news. And I'll just go ahead and read off a little bit of it. I'm not going to do the whole thing. Cause you can see if you haven't seen it by now, you know, uh, uh, then, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it is with immeasurable grief that we confirm the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2016 and battled it with uh, these last four years as, as it progressed to stage four. Um, and it goes on from there to talk about some of the roles had, that he had been taking, you know, in the while this is going on. You know, like I said, he pretty much filmed seven movies, including the couple of uh, Marvel movies and his own, you know, during the, the, the time uh, that he's doing this. And like I said, not that many people being the wiser on this because you know, he kind of kept it private uh, for pretty good reason, probably uh, for obvious reasons also. Um, but yeah. And uh, of course, there's this picture of him that went along with it, you know. The the the, out, the the outpouring of support has been, you know, touching, but also there was some of it, which is what I have a problem with. That kind of self serving for folks because, of course, whenever somebody dies, somebody there is always people who kind of make it about themselves, mm-hmm. and that sucks to how hell. But and there was definitely some of that going on during the course of this, and I'm like, oh Jesus, people, please <laughs> stop being stupid. 
Anyway, uh, but that's my thing. We'll move on to the next story, which is pretty much... Uh, next yeah, exactly. Next up is just a follow-up. ABC aired a Black Panther tribute to Chadwick Boseman after a commercial-free airing of Black Panther uh, this past Sunday evening in primetime as a tribute to Chadwick Boseman. I did not catch... Um, I've seen Black Panther a million times, so I, I didn't um, watch it on television. But uh, I did uh, mean to catch the tribute, but missed it. But I did end up seeing it. It was actually on the abcnews.com website. Mm -hmm. it, uh, I think that it has probably migrated to the abc.com website. But at the time when I watched it, I think it was uh, the next day, Monday, um, it was on abcnews.com. Right. So, and, and it's uh, not, on, and we, we actually just checked, it's not on D, uh, Disney Plus at the moment. So, correct. Yeah. Cause I thought as we were talking before the show and I thought I had seen something about it, but I, it's actually just the, the picture, the, the, uh, the Black Panther, um, you know, um, um, banner. Banner. Right. Thank you. Uh, with that just has added, you know, a tribute to Chadwick Boseman on it. And there's nothing in there as far as I could tell. That I know. Now we're also worth noting that that's that uh, tribute is still out there, and also I'm going to assume what is on the Marvel Entertainment Channel on YouTube, which is like four minutes, is probably taken from that. I didn't watch that one either, um, because like you know, the, the, for that couldn't do it at the time and actually i still hadn't done it so to be honest but yeah so there is so there there definitely are tributes out there about um the, the abc news thing is probably out there i hadn't checked uh, for certain if it is i'll put it in the in the put a link to the video into the uh show notes if people want to watch that and also the marvel entertainment one which is a a smaller version of it i assume that is on youtube uh so we are going to move on with the next story which is uh, another death, sadly. Um, X-Men, the animated series, is Cyclops, uh, Cyclops voice actor Norm Spencer has also died. And this was like, a, I think, a, a couple of days after that uh, happened. So Norm Spencer, who voiced Scott Summers Cyclops on X-Men, the animated series, has passed away. Um, and there is a tweet here from Cal Dodd, who... Um, who was also a voice actor, who was the Wolverine voice actor, excuse me, uh, lost my dear friend and cohort Norm Spencer. Wolverine actor, co voice actor, Cal Dodd tweeted, What a sad day. Norm was the voice of Cyclops on X-Men animated series. He was a genuine character and sweetheart. Uh, I will miss you. I will. Um, that's a typo, I think. I will miss her, you psych. Uh, sorry about the convertible, which is a, which is a reference from... Um, from from x-men the animated series uh bub see you later my friend and um you know if you haven't seen x-men animated series at this time i don't know what you're doing next up all right next up uh new mutants technically saw an uptick in business on saturday on saturday with 2.45 million at the box office which was a uh, which was uh, an increase of four percent but that's when you uh Okay, so ultimately, New Mutant secured a $7 million weekend box office where only 62% of all theaters were open. So, right, and sounds uh, like up until now, they made like a, like upwards of 10 at uh, at the at the, the point of where... Oh, since, yeah, uh, so since last weekend, right. they have added about 3 million more. So, yeah, 
Um, you know, kind of what we expected, not a lot of money. Right. Yeah, and the, and we talked kind of talked about a little bit of this before the show, and it's like, yeah, there's there's factors in this, um, mm-hmm. not unlike being the fact that I mean, it's a X Men movies and they're not good, but that's just kind of a blanket one, so that can't, you know, COVID definitely is probably a big one. And as as I was saying before the show, like as long as this uh, movie language, which was well before COVID, we can't really say that it was because of. COVID, you know, that was why it got such low numbers. While Tenant, on the other hand, hand kind of got bigger numbers than was in more theaters, sounds like, um, which is weird. Like, stop going to theaters. This is what's wrong, people. Um, anyway, regardless, yeah, that's... We're not trying to extend the uh, the pandemic because we're going to the movies, so... Right. Let's, uh, let's, let's use our heads here, folks. Exactly. So, in, yeah, as it says here, on the, uh, 62% of all cinemas were open, and I think it's like 73 were open for Tenet, something like that, but people were apparently still going. Next up. That's you. Uh, Spider-Man, what? Spider-Verse 2 adds Incredibles 2 and Coco Story Artist. Uh, so, yeah, Sony's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse number two is adding an incredible new artist to its team in Octavio E. Rodriguez. Uh, the first Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse film was released in Sony 2012, as we all know. Um, so, yeah, so this is pretty much a big gift for them. For them. I have still yet to see Coco. Um, I've, like seen parts of it. I've seen most of it, but not yeah. all the way through. I haven't seen Incredibles 2 all the way through either, but, you know, I've seen... Parts of it, so I'm not to do that. But regardless, that's cool. Uh, and I don't know. I think this is still on track to come out this November. Yeah, supposedly still on track to come out this October. Oh, excuse me, no, October twenty second. Excuse me, October twenty twenty two release date. Sorry, ah, folks. That's, that's funny. T- yeah. So it's it's animation. So it's, yeah, it's a better chance of staying on track than you know live action movies at this point. Next up. That's funny. Next up, uh, Sony Pictures Television is reportedly developing a live-action TV series about Silk, an ally of Spider-Man's in the Marvel comics. Silk is the superhero pseudonym of Korean-American Cindy Moon, who debuted in 2014's... Damn, it feels like it was yesterday. 2014 Spider-Man Volume 3, Number 4. Lauren Moon, no relation, who um, I guess is... Um, of Atypical and Good Trouble is in talks to write Silk, which will be executive produced by Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse's Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Amy Pascal, the former head of Sony Pictures, will also executive produce Silk. Pascal had previously been developing Silk as a feature film back in 2018. Okay. Hmm. So executive produce means they put up the money and getting people to people. So hopefully they will have a little bit more, you know, hands on to it and it'll, you know, It'll be straight, but I feel like, it, despite them being attached in the way they're attached, we're, we're like I said, I'm hoping for the better. Unlike right. um, Agent Seventy was, because yeah, the whole Sony things, Sony Pictures deal, we're just being them just doing the thing without Marvel. You know, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, my hope would be that Marvel would would contribute to this, but it would seem that Sony's off on their own doing this. Yeah, as they tend to do. Uh, so mm-hmm. it says here, no network or streaming service is currently attached, but sources say Amazon is in talks to acquire the project. 
along with other right. potential Marvel series based on characters on control. And this is not the the uh, project that we talked about. Well, presumably this is not the top project we talked about the last week uh, that um, Olivia Wilde is obviously, you know. So that's probably separate from this more likely. Next up. That's, uh, that's you. Oh, I just did that one. I just did this. Oh, no, you did. I'm sorry. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> what, I don't know what I'm thinking. Um, Eternals director says the film's LGBTQ uh, relationship is inherent to her story. So uh, the highly anticipated Marvel film from director Chloe Zhao, uh, Eternals, will feature an LGBTQ um, LGBTQ, yes, I'll do that. I'm gonna make sure I got my letters right. Uh, relationships that's essential to the story. In a recent uh, Hollywood Reporter piece, Zhao and Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige provided a new, a few details on the upcoming film and how essential its diversity is to its story. Uh, the LGBTQ relationship fans will see in. And up club, good lord, what am I doing? And the upcoming blockbuster was always the sort of inherent uh, in the story and the makeup of the different types of Eternals, uh, quote unquote, says Feige. I think it's extremely well done, and I look forward to that level of inclusion in future movies being less of a topic. So, yeah, there you I'll- go. Next up. Oh, and, and apparently it's in track to be in theaters uh, February 12, 2021. We already know who's a part of it. So, next. Right. All right. In very pleasant news, The Mandalorian will return with new episodes beginning on October 30th, Disney announced on Twitter. The announcement seems to indicate that the show will continue its weekly release schedule, much like the first season did. Uh, there's still no trailer yet, but expect that imminently now that we have a date hopefully it's full of adorable oh this is uh, someone editorializing mm-hmm. hopefully it's full of adorable baby yoda or sorry the child moments which so, that child that quote unquote child's 50 years old let's stop doing that like yes baby yoda's not doing he's any, 50 exactly <laughs> i mean granted baby yoda's not be- be- any better but you know still but yes so, so this was good news that happened to come out um uh, uh yesterday uh, as of this recording, so I'm looking forward. Are you? You think you're gonna go and um, rewatch the first season, or you think it's still fresh where you don't need to? It's still fresh. Yeah, it's still fresh. It feels like I just watched it. So <laughs> I mean, I might go through it again just for uh, you know, just for the proverbial blanks and giggles. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think it's necessary. But listen, everyone has a different rate of uh, memory loss. So <laughs> yeah, and it's I only might, eight, and it's only eight episodes. Yeah, it's only eight episodes, so you can pretty much blow through that. Hell, even I can blow through that fairly quickly. <laughs> my my noted penchant for not binging things. Uh, John's yeah, boy, given the, given the rate I can binge stuff, I'll be I'll be through in a heartbeat. True. Um, according to John Boyega, Star Wars Disney knows f all about writing characters of color. Um. And I'm just going to say, yeah, I probably agree with this. I, I meant to uh, look up uh, if there are any other articles, uh, but, you know, shout out to Sam for this one. Um, right. Specifically the Star Wars, the Star Wars corner. Um, yeah. Definitely. You know, and, and when you read his statement, it makes all the sense. And, you know, like he, he hits it right on the head in that, you know, uh, they started out 
strong, but mm-hmm. ended up with these people of color essentially being token characters yeah. at the end of this uh, most recent trilogy. Totally. Yeah. Uh, they, they, his character and, you know, uh, and Rose's character who really, you know, and that's a whole other thing. Cause once, so let's get to the statement first and then we'll get to that. But John Bergia has spoken out on his experience in the latest Star Wars trilogy of movies while also criticizing Disney for not knowing how to write characters. Cause guess what, folks? You can do both. Uh, you get just the quote is you get yourself involved in projects and you're not necessarily going to like everything. But uh, what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. I absolutely totally agree. Uh, this is what Boyega told GQ magazine. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. And of course. Um, Oh, here we go. Uh, he goes on to say that, like, you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley. You knew what to do with Adam Driver, he added. You knew what to do with these other people. But when it came to Killer Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you knew F all. Uh, so what do you say to me? Um, what they want you to say is, I enjoy being a part of it. It's a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, I'll take that deal when it's a great experience. Uh, they gave all the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest. Daisy knows this. Adam knows this. Everybody knows this. I'm not exposing anything. To which, yeah, he's right. But again, once because he's saying this, people are all like, well, yeah, 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 this and that and other. And well, Kelly Marie hadn't said anything, uh, you know, about it. So why you can't be like that and just shut up and, and, and you know, and, and, you know, not say anything Don't say about dribble. it. Don't say dribble. Uh, <laughs> you know, I said, don't say dribble. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you. But, um, but yeah, I'm like, look, because every time something like this happens, they always, folks always want to try to, well, you know, here's this person and here's this person and, you know, or pull it out of Dr. King or something where it's like trying to shut folks up from, you know, speaking out on things and using other people who have their own reasons for not having said anything you know, whatever they might be, and they're not, they, you know, can't say they're wrong for it. And plus, in Kelly Marie's trend, like, shit, she got bullied when she can't, you know, uh, from saying anything. So, which is, which caused her to even leave social media for a while. Right. So, you can't really hold that up as the, as the standard you're trying to do when you just don't want to hear about what some real things that's going on. You know. But that's that. Um, it's, you know, you know, I know some better probably gonna say I'm making this race thing, but whatever it's not, it's just a real thing. So like you could see it. It's, it's uh, out there on the screen <laughs> with both of those characters and more. So moving Definitely. right along. Go, go ahead. Definitely. Next up, the final frontier is continuing to bring audiences, inclusive characters played by members of underrepresented communities in Hollywood. The third season of CBS all access is star Trek discovery will introduce the first non-binary and transgender characters in Gene Roddenberry's iconic franchise that celebrates diversity via a sci-fi lens. Uh, Blue Del Barrio will make their screen acting debut as the non-binary character Adira, who is highly intelligent with a confidence and self-assurance well beyond their years. They will find a new home on the USS Discovery and form an unexpected bond with Lieutenant Commander Paul... Stamets, Anthony Rapp, and Dr. Hugh Culber, played by Wilson Cruz. Ian Alexander will play the transgender character Gray, em- em- empathetic, 
warm and eager to fulfill his lifelong dream of being a trill host, but he will have to adapt when his life takes an unexpected turn. Ooh, is there a Dax Dax guest appearance in the (laughs) near future? Ooh, you know what? I didn't even think about that. Huh. Trill. Yeah. How many well, units? I mean, there's there's been a there's been a few out there, but I mean I, that's the you know most I mean? notable How many do one. you know like that comes to mind right away? I mean, you're right, but no, I didn't think about that part of possibly being the, the Dax host. If that's or where, where you're going. Or at least seeing a, a previous Dax host, you know, uh, if not uh, Curzon, you know? Sure. Hmm. Yeah, like I said, that was that was a point of this I didn't even think about. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, I need to catch up on Discovery. That's kind of cool. But yeah, you know, it's it. I guess it shouldn't be weird, but it's but it also feels kind of weird. It's like yeah, you know, as the whole Rodberry dream, uh, you know, and all it took this long for any Star Trek show to kind of do something like this. And this is just first steps. Like this should not be a thing that's just you know propped up as a news article like this just pretty much just how the world is like you know there are many different types of people and many different groups of people out there and they should all be represented in media well i uh, i would uh, say also because just because you have folks in media they're not always represented well as both h seventy and i can attest as being of people of color of course so, but just, you know, just other groups in general who are really getting shitted on at this point, uh, including, you know, um, you know, non-binary and uh, trans folks. So there you go. Uh, but like I said, this is good news. I need to catch up on Discovery. So this next uh, news, Agent Severney already knows about that, but not about it because of, I brought it out after the show. I wasn't going to put it in the lineup, but I was like, this was too funny not to. Uh, the Rock's most famous pick gets a Black Adam transformation in new fan art. So somebody basically took the picture of him with the fanny pack, or the old picture of him with the fanny pack in the chain, and put, um, you know, put in the the Black Adam colors. Basically, made a made a a Black Adam shirt out of uh, what he had on, which is looks well done because I'm like you can't even, you know, um, it, it was a well done shop put it that way but it was also funny at the same time so. absolutely absolutely i don't know if you have the news uh later on in the news because it's not really necessary it's not necessarily a, a cinematic news story but uh the rock actually came out and revealed that his family had come down with uh covid19 i did not if i did see that though I mean, right i was about to say it, it doesn't necessarily uh 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 qualifies the story that we would uh, go over but the one thing i would mention is that please please folks do not let your guard down even if things are opening up and please remember to wear a mask where you need to wear it we do have a similar story and and my next uh, well we do have a similar story and there's something i I will address well i will say they're not necessarily addressed just a one little quick statement but moving along right so next up uh Tenet's John David Washington, son of Denzel, gets Nolan uh, get gets Christopher Nolan's vote to play uh, Green Lantern, but uh, Nolan has said that he won't uh, direct. So uh, while Christopher Nolan no longer has an interest in directing superhero movies, he agreed that his Tenet lead, John David Washington, would make a great Green Lantern. This was 
this was uh, mentioned in an interview led by Dorian Parks. Washington and Nolan were asked about the idea of a Green Lantern film starring Washington. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, the whole Nolan's not on, not no longer interested. Of course, not because he got what he wanted out of out of that Batman trilogy, which was more money to make his own stuff. Right. So, you know. Um, I'll probably say that that might not come up later, but yeah. So yeah, so like he's like a uh, eight seven said, uh, John David Washington, he would want for green for John Stewart Green Lantern. He basically and said in, in that interview, um, sure, I guess. I don't know. Um, I still haven't seen Tenet, but I'm, it's probably going to be a while to do that. But regardless, um, Robert Pattinson has COVID-19, uh, sources say, halting the Batman production. So this is a story from Vanity Fair, who's saying that they've learned from a source that uh, the star has it. And as Agent 70 was saying... Be uh, before the show, he said. What did you say? You said you found a you found another article, right? I what what I read prior to seeing the Vanity Fair piece. Uh, shout out to Iron Man One. Um, prior to reading the Vanity Fair piece, I saw that the production had been shut down because one person had come down with COVID nineteen. So. It's interesting that uh, Vanity Fair came out and said it's actually the lead of the movie. Right. I mean, it could have been any, honestly, it could have been anyone on the production staff. You know, that's, right. that's, how, uh, that's how these things really need to roll in that if someone who is on set doesn't have to be one of the actors um, is, uh, you know, is infected, they definitely need to shut production down until they're able to isolate and quarantine. Which brings up, uh, which kind of brings up the statement I was going to make in that, you know, the number of people that is dying from, that are dying from COVID, and you know, of normal people who die from COVID, is immense, and we keep hearing about these celebrities that supposedly have it or have it, and they seem to be all right, which in itself speaks of a great big divide in healthcare, of course, and is really messed up. Because I had just seen, like, a, I think I was watching somebody's TikTok where they just, they were saying, like, their their dad died because, you know, they were in the hospital all, below, all alone and the hospital, the, the doctors weren't really doing anything. And they just, you know, died alone in the hospital of COVID. Meanwhile, we keep hearing about all these uh, ce- celebrities that supposedly have it or have, have had it. And they're fine. Well, I was about to say, let's not overstate things. They definitely go through a pretty rough... Uh, you know, a, a rough period when they're well, at least the ones who have been open about it, like uh, Tom Hanks and sure. his wife Rita Wilson. But also, you know, they, but my point was, yeah, no, I know they recover, right? I see what you mean, but let's not say that uh, you know that they're fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, I, I understand the the greater point you're trying to make in that you know it's just uh, uh, it's it's it exhibits the disparity in, in the level of uh, healthcare and the haves and the have-nots when it comes to who can afford uh, premium healthcare. I understand right. that. Yeah, which is my point. Um, you know. So yeah, so that being the case, the uh, the Batman has been halted for that. If the sources are, if this is the case, and the sources are whatever. So there you go. All right. Which is not the first time the the, the it's um, you know. Uh, it's been halted for COVID, but 
because they had just started really back uh, um, doing this not that long ago. So that's also kind of telling. Next up. Next up, Avatar The Last Airbender is undergoing a mini revival, the original Nickelodeon series that I have not watched yet, and The Legend of Korra spinoff, which I have not watched yet, have been among Netflix's most watched most watched series since their arrival on the streaming service in the past few months. That added attention has led creators Brian Konietzko and Michael Dante DiMartino to put to bed any speculation that a season four was ever in the works. Uh, though teased that there's always space for future stories in the universe. Okay. Mm. I, I mean, I... I think you would like Avatar. I haven't watched Korra myself, so I can't really speak on that one. Maybe check it out. There mm-hmm. are some spots. There are some spots in 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 Avatar that's a little slow, and some are like eh, it's, it's not like there are parts that are not great, great, but it's some pretty good storytelling in there and animation and everything. So I think you might you might enjoy it. All right. Uh, listen, it's on my list. Although my list is long and extensive, I may have to do some bumping around of uh, of places on the list, though. So we shall see. And there are only three seasons, so you can blow through that fairly easily. Um, and I think, <laughs> and there are like what twenty twenty some other episodes uh, a piece, I believe, uh, in all seasons. So yeah, it, it doesn't take that long. So got uh, and some good first work and even some real sad moments of you know, whatever. But anyway, yeah. Next up, uh, Nemesis movie based on Mark Millar comic taps Project Power directors. So uh, a Nemesis, Nemesis movie based on Mark Millar's comic book taps uh, Power Pro- Project Power's directors. Uh, and that's just pretty much reiterating the, the, state, uh, the, the title. Thanks. Uh, the 2010 comic book written by Millar tells the story of Nemesis, who has the alter ego of uh, Matt Anderson, and also looks like a cross between uh, Moon Knight and Batman, but with guns. That's just me editorializing. Um, who uses his wealth for villainous purposes and is out for revenge against the cops who imprisoned his parents. Uh, the rather dark Batman meets Joker style comic has long been touted for a big screen adaptation. Uh, the film one time had the late Tony Scott attached to direct, but then later the Grays, uh, Joe Conahan was on board to write and direct with, uh, Millar showering Conahan's script with praise. Uh, in 2018, producer and student Kroll, along with, uh, Jules Daly and Ridley Scott was reportedly set to produce a nemesis film. However, Two years later, it uh, looks like the project is finally moving on again. So, Henry Joost and Ariel Schloman, who direct the Netflix uh, superhero pr- film Project Power. Have you seen it? That's that uh, joint with Jamie Foxx? No, I have not yet. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard middling things about it. Um, that's, that's the same that I've heard. Yeah. Uh, have been signed by Warner Brothers to direct Nemesis with Emerald Fennell. Basically, other people involved with it. So, yeah. We'll see if that actually bears out. Next up. All right, next. Netflix is currently developing a number of tie-in projects for its widely successful adaptation of The Witcher, one of which is the upcoming prequel series, The Witcher Blood Origin, which takes place ages before the events of the main series. In recent weeks, rumors surrounding actor Jason Momoa's involvement have circulated, but were thought to be unsubstantiated. 
Uh, what the hell is Redianian Intelligence? Is that a website? Let's assume. Reported citing two independent sources that the Justice League star is currently in talks for the lead role in Blood Origin. It should be noted, however, that a deal has not yet been finalized. Momoa would reportedly play the continent's first Witcher. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Um, I'm looking forward to the drink, the Witcher Blood Orange. Oh, no. <laughs> X-Men oh. kills... Oh, wait. We're getting over into the comic book news. Yes, we're transitioning over to the comic book news. Because I did pull out another story that was seemingly cinematic, uh, but it's not necessary. No, we don't need to. Uh, I'll just read it later. X-Men kills off one of Marvel's first mutant villains. Um, and this is spoilers for X-Men 11. And I remember this, but I didn't necessarily take it as like, okay, it's no big whoop because one is mutant. Um, right. Two, there's Krakoan resurrection protocols. Right. Although, And also, as I will say again, maybe some folks don't really need to be resurrected, but that's just me. <laughs> like, but hey, I understand. Um... As uh, Empire Crossover takes over the Marvel Universe, the X-Men joined the war against the Katadi. Uh Yeah, and that's actually, that was that was also something that was brought up in Empire 6. It was like, oh yeah, no, the X-Men took care of this thing that was on the moon, which we had, you know, which uh, from from this particular issue. So, which they did, totally did. Uh, but basically, long story short, Toad died in battle. Right. Which he pretty much showed up before that panel to die, and because he's not like he was doing anything else. Right, I remember mentioning it. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, you know, there's there's only so much uh, you can, you know, so much weight you can give that because of what's been going on in Krakoa. So, well, that and also it's Toad. Who cares? Right, 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 right. Next up. Anyway, next up, um, Ten of Swords creation artist explains how it sets up a new visual language for the X Men. Uh, artist Pepe Larraz is one of the most important artists in the Dawn of X stable, according to X-Men group editor Jordan D. White. If Larraz is drawing an X-Men comic book, it's a sure sign that story will be pretty significant. To that end, Larraz, who helped launch uh, Dawn of X uh, by drawing the House of X limited series, will draw a series of one-shots in the upcoming Ten of Swords crossover, starting with September 23rd's Ten of Swords creation number one. Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, goes without saying. Pepper is a great artist. So, yes. Just period. And stuff's been great. Uh, you can see, if you're watching the video, the the cover, of, I assume this is the cover for uh, X of Swords or Ten of Swords creation number one. Next up, uh, Chris Bacalo returns to Spider Man for ama- uh, Amazing Spider Man. Excuse me. Chris Bacalo returns to Amazing Spider-Man for eight fifty, much to the chagrin of one agent underscore seventy. Why? Because you said you didn't like Bacalo's art in this. Wrong. Although I don't think it's as uh, a, I don't think it's as uh, 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 fitting as it is to other books. Mm. I definitely am a fan of Bacalo's art, though. Well, no, no, yeah, but I'm saying for this is what I'm saying. Right. Not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I know you liked his art, but for this, yeah, exactly. Is what Exactly. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that I was unhappy that he's coming back to this, but I, I definitely appreciate his art more for, uh, on Doctor Strange. Oh, that was killer when he was on Doctor Strange. Totally. And um, 
which we'll call it. Uh, he's had some long, um, long runs on X Men as well. But I think he is so so set to you know he's so uh, his his work definitely fits Doctor Strange to a T. And I wish he would go back to it. But mm-hmm. listen. If he's getting work, good for him. Yeah, yeah. I, and I didn't have the the the, the issue with his thing. like there were some spots where it was a little bit busy, but yeah, it was okay. But regardless, uh, the Green Goblin is the only familiar, is not the only familiar face returning with September thirtieth milestone. Uh, Amazing Spider Man number fifty with artist uh, Chris Bacalo returning to Spider Man as well. Uh, Newsarama has the first look at Bacalo's variant cover for the legacy numbered issued 850. Bacalo is also slated to draw one of the several stories in this oversized special. Uh, and then there's a bunch of covers at the well, there's at least a uh, slideshow of a bunch of variant covers for that issue. Right. Uh, that you can see in the article if you so choose. Next up. All right, so Immortal She-Hulk is going to give Jennifer Walters a new understanding of being a Hulk. Writer Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk ongoing series has rewritten the rules of what it means to be a gamma mutate like Bruce Banner. And on September 23rd, Bruce's cousin Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, is going to learn firsthand just how harrowing the experience can be. In Ewing and artist John Davis Hunt's Immortal She-Hulk number one one shot. Though she's often been in control of her Hulk out, something Ewing himself points out as a core aspect of her character, She-Hulk recently died, as we found out, in Empire Number 4, with her body being used as a host for a Kotati warrior, and that journey will have a dramatic effect on where she goes from here, and it's somewhat teased in Empire Number 6. Mm-hmm. We'll get more uh, on that in the uh, Immortal She-Hulk one-shot. The Green Door! Next up. Uh Iron Man versus the House of X era X-Men in latest contest of champions game update. Uh, Kablam's long running mobile game Marvel's Champions of Heroes is welcoming the X-Men's House of X era as the part of its next in-game update, The Rise of X or Rise of 10, I guess. Uh... Charles Xavier makes his presence known throughout the battle realm with a bold proposition. Recognize mutant autonomy and the sovereignty of their new nation of Krakoa, and you will be rewarded with unimaginable medical marvels, reads Kablam's description of the story. Uh, while in, so that's pretty cool. They're, they're bringing House of X, uh, House, you know, House Pox to, um, to Concerts of Champions, which mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about, I hadn't played in a minute. I know Strike Force has some of the mutants in it, uh, the more ones you would expect, I guess. But I didn't. I don't know who else was not in Contest of Champions because I know there was a few of them there also. There's also a trailer here, so you can for a, mo- a new motion comic for it, so you can check that out in this article. And it looks like we're getting um, uh, Magneto and or two versions of Magneto, the classic and the white version. Next up. All right, next up. Uh, mild spoilers. I've talked about this mm-hmm. uh, in reviewing Iron Man 2020 number six. Iron Man 2020 finally gives Arno Stark his chance to save the world. So uh, if you haven't been keeping up with uh, Iron Man 2020, for the past several months, Iron Man has been facing off with his brother Arno with the entire fate and freedom of all beings on Earth at stake. Tony has resisted Arno's dark actions, even if they come from good intentions. 
But with Arno always dreaming of the coming extinction event entity, he was committed to fighting and saving the world. In Iron Man 2020 number six, Arno Stark just got the chance to do so, saving the entire world himself. But it's not all that it seems, thanks to his brother Tony and his new holographic armor. So I would definitely recommend that if you are interested in the story, it is definitely worth reading. Go back and check out Iron Man 2020. There you go. So you haven't done it yet. Next up, uh, Inside Star Wars The High Republic, Meet Yoda. So apparently, well, makes sense. Yoda's going to be a part of The High Republic, which takes place before the prequels. Well, before the prequels. Uh, let's see. Basically, to cut to the chase, Yoda will feature prominently in Daniel Jose Older's Star Wars The High Republic Adventures comic coming 2021 from IDW Publishing, which that's that's kind of weird. Um, the, the Jedi Master that Older depicts in this series, however, won't quite be the same sage-like being we know. Uh, it's essentially, it's especially exciting to be able to introduce him in the era of the High Republic, Older says, uh, StarWars.com. The High Republic Yoda is a journeyman out in the galaxy. Uh, according to Older, the the Emperor's little green friend will still be treading some somewhat familiar ground, that of Teacher. Um, and while he's already a respected member of the Jedi Council, we meet Yoda in IDW's High Republic Adventures series, uh, doing what he does best, looking out for young folk. In the case, a group of Padawans traveling around the galaxy to learn the ways of the Jedi with a hands-on approach. So, there you go. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of that and some uh, concept art uh, for you in this article. Next up. All right. Next up, Electronic Arts has released a preview of the single player story mode for Star Wars Squadrons, okay. where gamers can choose to either fly with the Rebel Alliance or the Empire. The footage takes pilots inside the cockpits of the Rebel X-Wings and Empire TIE Fighters as they engage in battle in outer space. One of the early looks involves an early Imperial mission behind enemy lines. Sounds exciting. It's actually, yeah. If you were, I mean... If you've played this before, it it might look familiar, but with little uh, extra tweaks, right? Seemingly so far, because I was, you know, this is... If you've definitely played Battlefront 2, the gameplay seems like it's just uh, an an expansion of that, of the... uh, Of the... um, a part of that game, I'll say, part of it, uh, because a lot of us on the ground, but there was some, uh, you know, uh, aerial battles and whatnot. So it is definitely part of that, but it also takes back, harkens back to seemingly uh, X Men. I mean, X Men, X Wing, uh, Tie Fighter, the classic games uh, from. Uh, right, that's what I remember. I don't know this Battlefront stuff. This, I remember X Wing and, uh, and and the original X Wing and the original Tie Fighter. Right. So so from what I saw, because I did watch, I think I did watch the video of this, uh, and there's some shades of uh, X Wing Tie Fighter there. Uh, not enough to get a sense of how you know how deep into it that it gets into that stuff, but you get shades of it for certain. So I'm kind of excited about that, as as you may also be if you if you enjoy those classic games. Um, next up, though, um, whoops, Marvel's Avengers: Everything You Need to Know About Gear and Cosmetics. So this is a story from Square Enix, uh, pretty much outlining, um, you know, 
the the situation with cosmetics and gear in Marvel's Avengers. Uh, I'm not going to pretty much bore you with everything that this article is saying, but basically, the, you know, it just hey, it just says what cosmetics are and what the vendors that are selling stuff are are giving and and things like that. This is a loot game, so there's going to be a lot of loot that drops in within game, and there's also going to be some that's saying not unlike a say Destiny Two, uh, if you know of well Destiny Two anthems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the Division 2, if you know of those games. Uh, and here is the point. Actually, no, let's go to the next one before I say what I was going to say. All right. So uh, in its September 1 launch day war table, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics revealed Kate Bishop, Marvel's Avengers' first new hero. Kate Bishop and Clint Barton, the original Hawkeye, share similar abilities and powers in the world of Marvel. Both are superheroes who wield a bow and wear purple. According to Crystal Dynamics, Kate will have her own unique set of skills and abilities in comparison to the six launch heroes. But we don't know how she will relate to Hawkeye, whom Crystal Dynamics previously revealed will come to Marvel Avengers, Marvel's Avengers soon. According to the game, Games Reviewer's Guide, <clears throat> an operation called Taking Aim will appear in late... That's a little on the nose, right? Mm-hmm. Taking Aim will appear in late October. Taking Aim is the first step in the game's Hawkeye-focused post-launch campaign. Players will unlock Kate, Kate Bishop, who will then help players locate Clint Bart- Barton. Okay. Right, yeah, we definitely, because in that war table, we do get a sense of where that's going. And yeah, that whole, the new power set, obviously she's going to be an archer, but um, there is something that, that shows up in the course of the game after having seized this, which explains, which partially goes to explain so uh, she's basically going to be able to teleport, which is not a power set that she has in the comics. That's weird. Uh, it is, but in during, but with some things that happen in the story, I gotta, I have an idea of how that's going to play out, and it makes sense. But yeah, you know, yeah, comic wise, it doesn't really make sense. But you know, but in this sense, it does. Uh, that being said, the last on that front, uh, Marvel's e- Marvel's Avengers Easter Egg teases another hero might be worthy to hold Mjolnir. So yeah, uh, apparently at some point, which I have not yet gotten to in my playthrough of the game, um, there is, let's say, in we might as well say an MCU reference uh, that happens in a sense. And in fact, it even says here in this article, which I, you know, before I even read this article, I was like, okay, I, I, I knew of a place that something similar happened because in the beginning of the, um, in the beginning of the story, something similar happens, but on a, not necessarily the same way without spoiling, because I know there, there might be people. So the game is not officially out yet. The game doesn't officially come out until tomorrow as of this recording on the 4th. Uh, however, if you pre-ordered the game, uh, you were able to play it on September 1st. So I have, and I just played. Matter of fact, if you want to, you can go to my YouTube channel and see me play the first couple of hours of it, the first like three or four hours of it. It's pretty good. Uh, that being said, but yeah, there is definitely an MCU uh, Age of Ultron homage uh, for a certain scene uh, uh, that has to do with what was just said that I want to spoil. Next up. All right, next up, I'm going to combine the next two yep. stories. Um, Fortnite developer Epic Games added a new Marvel detail to the island overnight. 
a Black Panther monument called Panther's Prowl. Marvel and Black Panther fans have begun visiting the statue on the Fortnite island and paying tribute to actor Chadwick Boseman, according to Eurogamer. Uh, Boseman, who starred in Black Panther, as we said earlier, died at 43, according to uh, as a result of complications from colon cancer. Um, the new Marvel crossover Fortnite season began last week, and um, you can find the monument to the left of Misty Meadows for all of you Fortnite players out there. I kind of so yeah, we've already talked about the Marvel event that's going on, and it just it just happened to put this in after after Jerry Boseman's death. I there's for two seconds part of me that wanted to check this out, but I refuse to play that game. I refuse. Um. Because they screwed the game over, and eventually, oh, I mean, in, in the in the, the when they brought out the the original version of it. But hey, anyway, next up, uh, Gotham Knights announces voice cast, and we kind of got a little bit of this already. With I think somebody, actually, no, maybe we didn't. No, we did. We did. We did. We did. Um, Warner Brothers Games' Montreal Secret Batman game has finally been released, uh, revealed at DC FanCom, which was Gotham Knights. It's a new take on a DC universe featuring a playable Bat family, uh, including Red Hood, Batgirl, Robin, and Nightwing, uh, taking the stage in the wake of Batman's death. But the voice cast for these famous characters is was a mystery up until now, except for the one person that we knew was playing um, that we talked about last week. So, here we go. Um... Here we go. Um, it has been re- recently revealed that uh, Stephen O. Young, who, by the way, I just saw on um, catching up on uh, Insecure recently, and recognized that it was him of uh, Marvel Spider Man, would be voicing Jason Todd Red Hood. Uh, by now, the rest of the voice cast has been revealed thanks to Gotham Knight's Twitter page. Uh, America Young from Saints Row the Four will be voicing Barbara Gordon Batgirl. Christopher Sean from Fallout 76 voices Dick Grayson Nightwing. And Sloan Morgan Siegel rounds out the Bat family as Tim Drake. Wait, really? Huh. Tim Drake Robin. So the speculation that the Robin was not Tim Drake and that was uh, Damien. So this is weird. Um, but okay, sure. There we go. It's it's Tim Drake and not um and not Damien as as, as as folks thought it was like me. Um, and it sounds like uh, Bruce Wayne might be Troy Breaker, but who cares about that fool? Next up, all right. Next up, um, I just did. I just set, changed my settings on ways to this just now. Wait, <laughs> Kevin Conroy to give directions as Batman. Waze has revealed that its latest limited-time celebrity navigation voice will be none other than Batman himself, Kevin Conroy. This makes me want to just jump in the car uh, this weekend (laughs) and drive somewhere, avoiding the Labor Day uh, crowds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Until October 31st, Waze will be celebrating Batman Day, which which will be September 21st, by letting users choose one of two Batman-related voices to give them directions. Batman, Kevin Conroy, and the Riddler... Wally Winger, according to 9to5Google, whichever voice is picked will influence other ways features, like having your car resemble the Batmobile. You can choose that, though. Or a Riddler vehicle dubbed the Riddler Racer, as well as accessing DC superhero and supervillain-themed Spotify lists. Now i got to check my Spotify lists. Mm. So, 
Um, yeah, I didn't know yeah, that I literally just part. changed this. Although I did see this. I, I, I've been on the road recently um, going back and forth to places uh, where I actually needed to use my GPS. Um, uh, just not, not going too far, just going into New Jersey. You know, sure. everything's legal in New Jersey. And um, that's a Hamilton reference, folks. Indeed. And um, uh, I forgot. And I did see this option. I just didn't uh, activate it. But now I've activated it. So now I, I'm definitely just going to do this on purpose and maybe, you know, beat the traffic tomorrow. And hit the road and and, and turn on uh, what call it? Turn on my uh, my GPS. So Wallerwinger, um, okay. I like I knew that name, but I was thinking Justice League, and that which might still actually bear out. But you may also know him as Hank Pym from Earth Mightiest uh, Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes and a whole bunch of other folks' work. Um, but yes, apparently he's also playing Doctor Strange in um, in that Marvel's Avengers. Uh, Kevin Conroy. So I, I, I just, I just put in like a, like a previous trip into my, into my ways. Right. It's, it's pretty funny. That's actually, I mean, that's pretty cool. And why would one, why would you not want that? Um, but also I'm wondering, so if after the, so does the voice go away after the 31st? The 31st? Like, yeah. That's kind of a bummer, but I know they've done that before. And I know there has been, but I'm pretty sure somebody will probably find a way to, to break that out. So wait, um, are you using, like, does Waze actually still have an app proper, or is it like integrated into something else? Because I thought it was like integrated into Google Maps at one point. No, Waze still has a uh, has an app proper. Uh, they're they're both owned by Google, but right. Waze has its own app. Okay, yeah, because I was I remember a while ago I was trying to look into those celebrity voices with like Sam Jackson or some somebody something else. Some, there was another one I wanted, but I could never, you know, I never got it to to go. But right. this is cool. I I would actually download this and and try this. Uh, try this. Just you know, it's freaking Batman. Come on. Next up, though, <laughs> it's Kevin Conroy. Yeah, Kevin Conroy, but it's Batman. So there you go. <laughs> One in the same. I'm sure he gets tired of hearing that. But um, John Constantine is about to be hired by spoiler, and not the spoiler. Um, so apparently DC's John Constantine finds himself in trouble again, and he's not the only one. In Hellblazer Rise and Fall number one, John quickly discovers that his ability to employ the dark arts is in need uh, once more, and the person who is about to hire him is one fans probably will not anticipate. Although John John Constantine is a self-centered individual, that's putting it mildly, which even costs him the Justice League uh, Dark's home base in the graphic novel Forever Evil Blight, uh, people who are having problems with the paranormal and supernatural tend to go for him for help because there is no doubt he is a master of the cult sciences. Uh, cutting to the chase, and let's just assume that if the permalink is correct, yep, the devil himself is the one who is going to hire John out for his services. Or to, excuse me, hire John for his service, not hire him out. That's totally different understood so yeah cool if you're reading constantine uh go have at it next up all right uh a new legend of Korra live reading wraps up turf wars part one graphic novel so this is uh in related news to the uh the legend of Korra and uh last avatar the last airbender stuff i was talking about earlier kind of last april dark horse hosted a live reading from the legend of Korra comic 
by two mm-hmm. actors from the original animated series. It was an enormous success that led to another virtual live reading less than a month later uh, with, an un- with an expanded cast. Although a few months have passed, fans will, ha- will be most delighted to hear that a new Korra live reading has been announced, picking up where the previous live reading left off. Okay. Good for them. Yeah, so, and, you know, the cast is who you'd expect it was if you know Legend of Korra, uh, uh, who's voicing the folks on Legend of Korra. And I totally forgot about this, even though I've not seen it. Uh, one Bud Bundy is playing one of the characters in that show, That's was right. playing one of the characters in the show. I saw his name. I was like, oh, snap, David Faustino, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Bud Bundy. Mm-hmm. Bud. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, outside of that, you know, Jan Ravonnery is Korra and Asami and everybody else is there. Um, shout out to... Uh, yeah, to those folks doing that. I have never really caught someone because that also because I have not watched Korra, so you know, that's that. But that's always cool. Next up, uh Biddle and Ted are doomed in comic book exclusive prequel to face the music, uh complete with Rufus and Stations. You gotta say it like that. <laughs> that's funny. Um Excellent. It's coming. Excellent! I was about to say, I was waiting for a good point, and then you just called it, so... Yeah, I figured to get out of the way, because it was coming. Uh, this weekend, Bill and Ted returned to face the music, but next week you'll learn how they got there in the prequel, Bill and Ted are doomed comic book series. Uh, and they'll face their biggest challenge ever, irrelevance. <laughs> wow. September uh, 9th, debuting September 9th, Bill and Ted are doomed, takes the rockers into a new era, the mid-90s, as they face the fact that maybe, just maybe, the wild stylings aren't that cool anymore. So would argue they never were. Uh, oh, writer, no. writer Evan Dorkin and the writer <laughs> Roger, and, excuse me, art, the artist Roger Lagrange, Lagrange takes the airhead door on a world tour with Muhammad Mahaman, uh, that's not what it said, as they race the uh-huh. clock to find themselves again, and as well as to write the song that will unite the universe. Shout so, out to Ali Shaheed. Exactly. Um, so yeah, if you're of a certain vintage, you know Bill and Ted. Obviously, most people know Keanu from John Wick and The Matrix at this point, but now, and I still I say seeing those live action shots of them too is really weird partially because like whoa you get a um no facial hair <laughs> no facial hair keanu reeves looking kind of cg mm-hmm. except for the fact that it's actually him in those shots it's kind of weird but this is a comic book so it doesn't really matter I, are you do you plan on watching this when the, the movie when it comes out i'm not sure i'm not sure i mean um Given that we actually have a very wide array of ways to watch it, you know, we can watch it at home, which is great. It's true. So I don't know if I'm going to watch it uh, right away or not, but I'm I'm probably going to catch it at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of debating about doing the whole marathon all three movies, but that's kind of a lot of silly to go through. Right. At one point. Anywho, Piecemeal launches graphic nov- novella line for Aftershock Comics. All right, so when five kids close to leaving high school decide on one last adventure together and in the process discover a human brain in a jar full of murky liquid, it's the start of a story that includes a building called the Nightmare House and a killer out to build a new body for themselves. 
piece by piece. Welcome to Aftershock Comics' latest project, Piecemeal. It's written by Colin Bunn, uh, who you know from Uncanny X-Men and The Sixth Gun, with art by Simon Kudransky, who's drawn The Punisher and Spawn. Piecemeal isn't just a concentrated burst of body horror aimed at fans of Stephen King. Uh, Bunn cites it and Pet Cemetery as influences as influences on the book. It, it's also the first in a line of short graphic novels from Aftershock intended to showcase the creative talent the publisher works with. Okay. Yeah. Colin Bunn also known for a lot of his horror works uh, before, you know, his uh, turns in like, didn't he do, he wrote uh, Moon Knight at, um, at one point, if I'm not mistaken. So, I think yeah. so. Yeah, but a lot, but yeah, he, I think he kind of came to came to fame for a lot of his uh, hard end stuff. So, yeah, sure, why not? Next up, uh, the Adventure Zones uh, McElroy's first second total over graphic novel artist compensation, uh, an uproar over compensation for fan art contrib- contrib- yeah, uh, contributors to the Adventure Zone graphic novels broke out on Monday with the McElroy family who creates the, created the podcast on which the graphic novels are based and write the graphic novels, uh, publicly urging changes to be made by First Second Books, the graphic novel publisher. On Twitter, on their Twitter account, uh, the McElroys said that, quote, artists were not adequately paid for their work and their art was put under ex- uh, excessive, excessively long exclusivity clauses, uh, unquote. The McElroys, who said that they became aware of the contract terms Monday, urged for a second to make changes, asking that the exclusivity terms be lifted effective immediately and that payments for artists in future books be significantly increased. Uh, they also promised to pay artists featured in graphic novels already released an additional $500 on their own. So kind of good on them, but I kind of wonder whether, how much of the weather they did know this, but they're making good on it. Sounds like, um, and it sounds like first second did respond to that promising to modify contract terms for past and future art contributions and to pay artists featured in future releases, $500 over previously promised, uh, pay matching what the McElroy's did for artists featured in the past volumes. So sounds like they're trying to make good, about something they were trying to get over on. Next up. All right, next up. Looking for Space Gods and We Only Find Them When They're Dead by Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo. This is book this book is actually out this week hmm. and I intend to read it. I actually had on my list of things to get to after I kind of uh I kind of crashed and burned last night reading through my list of books today, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for the books today. This is uh something that I tried to start reading but I was too tired to really keep up with it. Right. So I and to read it uh, over the weekend. Al Ewing rose to fame by transforming Marvel's Incredible Hulk into the cosmic horror of Immortal Hulk. I mean, some would argue he was doing some good stuff well before that, but sure. Right. I mean, you know, you were reading him on, what was it, uh, U.S. Avengers? Yeah, when yeah when he was doing the, yeah he was doing U.S. Avengers and he was doing some some other stuff he was doing. He was also doing Ultimates and uh, a few other things that, uh, you know, Right. Now Al Ewing is taking that into the creator-owned cosmos to hunt down gods with we only find them when they're dead. The them in the name of the, in the in the title refers to gods that the near future Earth Society of 2367 and their multiple discoveries of dead alien gods in space and the process for harvesting those corpses for resources. But with all that comes with scavenging dead gods, 
imagine if they were to find one still alive. As I said earlier, we only find them when they're dead. Number one is out. Uh, yes, uh, is actually is out. It says over here, September 25th. We got it already. It's out mm-hmm. already. Unless maybe it's not like out, out, and that's a review copy that's... I was about to say, there was a copy in my comic book store. Maybe this is an advanced copy, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if you saw maybe, comic book store... We might have... Yeah. I was about to say, so we might actually have some advanced copies of this. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure which is the case. But regardless, if it's not out officially, then it's uh, out soon. Yeah, September 25th, folks. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, IDW hires Disney Plub- Publishing Exec... Uh, Nachi Marsham, I apologize if I if I messed up your name, as new publisher. Um Disney Publishing Worldwide's executive editor Nachi Marsham is leaving to take over publisher of IDW Publishing. We're honored to have uh Nachi on board of the IDW ship as he is a champion for novel storytelling and has an unequaled passion for this industry. Uh, IDW CEO Ezra uh, Rosensaft says in the announcement, the publisher role that IDW is described as overseeing quote unquote strategic business units, integrating product cross-platform programs, establishing product growth uh, initiatives with pros, uh, partners, broadening customer experiences to new pro- platforms and expanding the company's extensive IP fold portfolio. So sounds like, yeah, uh, this is a bit of a do-over as IDW's uh, previous publisher, which I know we talked about uh, in a previous episode. Judd Myers was terminated 16 days after being promoted to publishing spot. Right. So, and uh, Marsham spent uh, 12 years at Disney Publishing Group and the, with the last seven of those being ex- ex- uh, executive editor, um, including launching the Marvel Press imprint. Uh, he was also from 2001 to 2008 an editor at DC, and uh, prior to that worked at Wizard Entertainment. So, man's got stops. So, I guess congrats to him. Okay, that is it, folks, for the news. Uh, we can get into an ad read. corner. Oh, oh, you want to do that before the the ad? Okay, sure. Oh, okay. I was about to say I'll read the ad real quick. Yeah. Uh, um. Let me get to that. Thematically speaking, this fits right in. Our last ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight, your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. All right. So just to wrap up this uh, kind of sad week that we've had, um, we've got a little bit of uh, fun stuff to go over. It's a uh, toy corner because I've had over the past week and change or so since the last show even, or since just before the last show even, had some stuff arrive 
um, that I had pre-ordered long ago. <coughs> so um, I may have mentioned this last week, but I did get the Marvel Legends Moon Knight from Walgreens. Nice. Yeah. Video. Oh yeah, you're 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 up front. There you go. So this is a pretty cool figure. I have not yet opened it. I haven't had time to. But um, this is a really nice looking figure. It's a classic Moon Knight. It's got two heads. So you can see that there is another head where the the under where the mask underneath the hood is darker as opposed to being all white. So this that's the front. This is the back. So this is a nice classic looking Moon Knight figure. Yeah, it is. And if you're watching, not watching the video, you really should sometimes. Seriously, um, I picked up on the well, actually another one of my pre-orders that came in that I mentioned last week was the Ahsoka figure uh, oh, from yeah. Star Wars Black. So I'm happy to have an Ahsoka finally to go with my uh, Sabine Wren. So uh, hopefully Roddy Cat can get his hands on either this one or the Target one, which was an exclusive, which I really like and you know, I would love to I get. totally forgot to go into it when I was in the last Inner Target recently. I totally forgot to look, actually. So I'm glad you reminded me. Thank you. So next up is some are some old uh, Marvel Legends. I got these stupendously cheap on Amazon, like including tax. It was less than 20 bucks total. These two... Um, these two uh, uh, Smart Hulk Wave figures. I got the Rock Python with one Hulk arm and Union Jack with the other Hulk arm. So now I can build the Smart Hulk uh, from uh, Infinity War and uh, Endgame. Mm -hmm. Endgame, really. So um, it's it's pretty funny that I, I finally uh, uh, bent to, you know, I finally bowed to the pressure of uh, the completest pressure of only needing two figures and two pieces to complete a build a figure. So, you know, now I've got a union Jack to, to build like a pseudo invaders. So there's that. Um, speaking of other pre-orders, surprisingly something that I thought would not come until October, something that came this, this is the three pack Marvel legends, Psylocke, Nimrod, and Phantom X Ooh. from Amazon. Right? So you can see the 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 a slightly updated Psylocke. You can see the Nimrod, which is what I really want from this three-pack. And you can see uh, with the reflection of my ring light in the background. But you can see the Phantom X as well in here. And this is a really cool... I, I never thought I would see a Nimrod figure. Mm -hmm. You know? And this is going to be sort of like my catch-all sentinel... Um, uh, because it's just, you know, it's a, it's at a scale that's a little easier to work with. It's not like four feet tall. So, or yes. three feet tall. Yes, folks. He didn't cave for the big, um, has, has labs, um, Sentinel like we thought he would. Right. But if they do a Galactus, forget about it. I'll be one of the first people there. So this came, this is the back of the box. It's pretty cool. Okay, do you see pictures of the three characters? Right. And ultimately, I'm jazzed. I'm very happy to have a Nimrod figure. Like I said, never thought I would see the day that we would have a Nimrod figure of all things. Um, you know, he's the centerpiece of this particular set. So very happy to have that. 
And last, but not certainly gonna, not, not Not going to lie, that would have made an awesome two-pack if Phantom Dex wasn't there. Was not there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, listen, I've never had... They've done Phantom X once before in Legends, like early on when Hasbro got the license again. Um, got the license, that is, from, mm-hmm. from, uh, from Marvel for doing Legends. They did a Phantom X relatively early, and this is a redo of, of, of the Phantom X. I don't really care for the character. I'm probably going to repurpose his weapons, you know, for another character maybe. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's just another X-Man, you know, that you can just sort of, uh, uh, you know, kind of put into any sort of display that you like. But, uh, you know, and we don't really need another Psylocke. And I'm not really sure which version this is. I don't know if this is supposed to be Quanon as opposed to Betsy. Right. I have to take a look closely at... My understanding is that the skin tone is different from the previous Psylocke, the Jim Lee Psylocke, and that the face is slightly different. So I will have to see if um, they are noticeably different enough so that you can actually characterize one as being Betsy and the other as being Quanon. Right. So that picture on the back, is there not? A, is there another head in there for her? Because they seem to have a split between the two. No, it's just a, it's just a sword. Right. It's just she's holding a sword. Right, but the way they have it is like okay, it's like one part is dark, one part is lighter. It's kind of suggesting right. that it could be the, you know. The, From what I can tell, no. I okay. mean, I'll just open this up real quick. I did open this up just to see uh, that nothing was missing from my box. I'll see if there's another head. Nope, no other head. <laughs> yes, because now that there are Instagram accounts that are that are showcasing terrible <laughs> right. well i mean terrible listen, returns there's a reason why i i i, I kind of stopped going to the stores to really look for my figures because people swap those figs at an awful pace hmm. so uh last but not least last but not least ooh-wee, i got the retro spidey wave in full so i got the peter parker that's kind of based on the animated series. Yeah. Right? Like, so yeah. you got the box, uh, the, uh, the, the card back that's, that's uh, heavily influenced by the um, animated series figures that came out back in the day. So you see here that here's a Peter Parker. He's got weird-looking glasses and a, and a camera uh, and whatnot. No, right. He's got uh, the anime glasses. Right. But he's also got the, the half Spidey, half, half Peter Parker head. Right, for when his spider sense goes off, went went off during the course of um, the show. Exactly, so that's pretty cool. We have a redone Electro. He's got slightly more of a muscle bod than the uh, the previous Electro that came out. Mm-hmm. Right, so this is a welcome uh, redo. Although, like I said, technically we already had uh, an Electro really recently, but this is much more comic accurate in my mind. Uh, let's see. So there is that. There is uh, another redo. This is a Green Goblin. He's got a Norman Osborn head and really, really bug out eyes. Mm-hmm. Like he's got really bug out eyes. Nice. Over a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Right. So you see the really bug out eyes? There we go. Yep. Oh my gosh. This is really bugged out. You know, put it in front of the camera. There you go. Look at those yeah. bug out eyes. So yeah, it's it's a it's a character that we've had. I definitely appreciate that this is subtly different. 
the comic, you know, it's definitely much more faithful to the old comics coloring. You know, it's a lot, uh, it's a lot more bright, you know, in terms of the green on the Green Goblin costume, whereas the green that we got on the last version is a little darker. Uh, next up, shout out to the 90s, Armored Daredevil. <laughs> uh, Shadowland, correct? No, this is pre, pre-Shadowland, pre-Shadowland. Shadowland was black and red. Okay. This is 90s Daredevil when he had armor. This is Scott McDaniel. Um, you know, like this is uh, totally 90s where uh, I guess Daredevil decided he needed more of a, a hardcore suit to go into battle. Mm. So he ended up uh, putting some armor on. So um, Wait, did he get shot I, and he came to that realization? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't. But like I said, it's the 90s, man. This is a big, big uh, shoulder pads era. So everyone felt the need to get more armored up. Yeah. I think that's some, some, something similar happened to um, Hawkeyes, I remember. So I don't, I don't I might be conflating the two. Right. So uh, we've got two left. This is, if you follow any toy people on Instagram or websites or, or even YouTube channels, this is arguably the best Spider-Man figure that's been put out. It's the most posable in terms of Marvel Legends uh, because there is a Mafex Spider-Man that it's more, that's more posable but also costs like $50 more. I think it's like like $80 or $90. Mm. This is arguably the most posable Spider-Man that's been put out. And it comes with an extra head and, uh, and, and hands. And it's super posable. And I see this as uh, dominating all of the action figure photography that's out there that involves Spider-Man nowadays. Mm. So good luck finding this. I think this is probably the, the most popular one that's, uh, that's in stores. But uh, if you can find it, more power to you. The one thing it lacks is uh, wall crawling hands. It has uh, web shooting hands and it has fists, but it does not have wall crawling hands, which kind of sucks. Mm. Some of the other Spider-Man uh, figures that have uh, kind of had the the rank of most posable have uh, wall crawling hands. That's specifically the Spider the Pizza Spider-Man that everyone kind of refers to. He came with a slice of pizza, right? So, so yeah, this is pretty cool. And yeah, last but not least, last but not least in Toy Corner this week, and I've had you know, listen, I'm, I'm showing a lot of stuff here. I, I got a lot of stuff. Via mail order slash Amazon slash everything. Um, most of this is Amazon. They are a sponsor, so I don't feel so bad about talking about Amazon. <laughs> so it is the Gwen Stacy figure. Huh. Right? Okay. With, yes. She comes with an alternate Mary Jane head, which I'm probably not going to use for this figure. But I understand fits very well with the Mary Jane figure that came with the um, – the uh, the the super the the electro the the um, the super suit Spider Man that came out as a two pack with mm. the glow with the glowy uh, spider symbol that came out during slots run. Okay. Uh, you know there was a Mary Jane uh, Spider Man two pack that came out. So this this head I under, uh, from what I understand fits very well on that Mary Jane body, giving her an extra or or different hairstyle. But this is a Gwen a classic classic Gwen Stacy. God forbid you want to reenact the, the scene on top of the George Washington Bridge. Yeah. 
you know, this is the car, this is the figure for that. I mean, it's addressing everything, so you just need right. the, the webs and the the bridge. Right, 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 right. So this or is pretty cool. going to go straight uh, to uh, you know her and Spidey's arms, but you know. Right, right, right. So this is pretty cool to have. Pretty, pretty cool. So yeah, you know, I definitely uh, had a little bit of Christmas in in uh, August slash early September uh, because this I think some of this stuff did come in yesterday. So yeah, so Christmas in August and early September, <laughs> late August and early September for me. Cool, cool. Sounds great. So yeah, I guess you could put um, put that Peter Parker head on a Spider Man on the Spider Man body, like he's about. Oh to yeah, change. That's, yeah, that's yeah. definitely the plan. That's yeah. definitely the plan. I have seen uh various action figure photographers who got their hands on these figures a little earlier mm-hmm. you know either they they ordered through entertainment earth you know like other other uh, uh other means of uh, ordering their figures uh got them maybe two and a half weeks ago mm-hmm. you know i've started to already see you know these things pop up uh let's say beginning of august so maybe a month ago right some of them had them that early and um you know we're, we're posting pictures already but now i've got mine and i am pretty happy with what i've got sounds good sounds good and we will look forward to um you know seeing more instagram uh, photos in fact wait a minute let me flip this back to you real quick if you would mind and uh showing what's behind you real quick sure so i will get out of the way but behind me i've redone my display on my bookshelf of Marvel Legends, I moved um, the Black Panther display that I had put up only two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago. Um, I put that uh, front and center and redid it to reflect um, the passing of Chadwick Boseman and uh, to do it in his honor um, because it only felt right. Uh, it only felt uh, appropriate to do so because uh you know, it was, it's such a sad time. Mm-hmm. So I definitely wanted to pay my respects, uh, to, to him and the role and, uh, you know, and, and, and place these figures in, in a really, uh, appropriate and, and, and mournful, uh, arrangement. Right. And for those not watching the video, uh, he has, uh, uh, you know, the Black Panther for the girl front with, uh, with, uh, you know, with the, the T'Challa head. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the door Milaje on the side and uh, Nakia's in the back there. Nakia, right. This is Nakia. Yeah. There's Shuri. There's Shuri there's right Dora beside Milaje. him. Right. Right. There's Dora Milaje behind them flanking Okoye who's directly behind T'Challa and behind uh, the Dora and behind Okoye is M'Baku. Right. So there you go. But again, if you, you know, check out the video sometime. Yeah, right, and also check out uh, check out uh, my Instagram at agent underscore seven day. I did just post a picture of this very display. Indeed. So as we close out this, uh, you will hear that again in a second. Uh, as we close out the show, thank you uh, each and every one of the folks for coming out this week. We'll be back next week with more new releases, more news, and all that kind of good jazz. Uh, maybe actually some actual jazz. We don't know. It depends on what what happens during the course of uh, the news and the, <laughs> the, the 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 comic book cycles. Maybe there's a, a jazz comic book coming out. I doubt it very seriously, but still. Anyway, um, I have been Rodicat. You can see find me at uh, Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. 
Uh, once again, agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC and underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com and all those umbrella sites there in. And also I actually, I should probably, we should probably actually check and see if he's actually still doing that stuff. But uh, bite the vine replacement uh, where he's over there under the name comic reviews, no vowels. Uh, Tim D O G G nine, eight, the Osiris of this ish. Uh, you can find him at uh, Tim D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can find him at uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles um, uh, Twitter account. Say hey. We'll all, we'll see it. Um, hashtag Comic Book Chronicles if you want to, you know, maybe send a question or something along. I, I actually should probably say that a little bit more. Uh, but you can also find Tim, though, at um, the Click Nation on tw- Twitter. That's the Click Nation. Uh, D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N also dclicknation.com but also and uh, more exclusively comic book resources where he's over there writing his face off and you will be able to find this here podcast on the Coastal Lizard Podcast Network that's cspn.us do it today you can also find this on your podcast personal place of choice whether it be google play apple itunes aka apple Podcasts, spotify or the coast of the podcast network's soundcloud page um again every thursday night 9 30 ish p.m on the click nation's um youtube channel where you can see this and other video you know other past video shows with the exception of that one lost one that's so so lost one that boy i wish wasn't lost um. Anyway, yeah. So no, no sense dwelling on the past because unlike cable, we can't change it. Uh, um, and yeah, nine thirty p.m. live there where you can see our glorious faces. Well, eight to seventies uh, glorious faces in my ugly mug. But uh, uh, there every week where we record live, and the auto comes out later on the place where we told you. And with that, folks, this has been. The Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda forever!